The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. You are listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer, joined, as always, by Michael. Hello, everybody. We have a guest. We do. Oh, my god. We have a very special guest. My laptop is freaking tonight. We do have a guest. I was laughing because of Spencer's (laughs) mixing board troubles over there. Like, the, the, the... Laptops on a delay. It was playing the outro music for a couple of seconds after I'd clicked. I just, Short podcast. We're good. Thanks, but, for, thanks for joining us this week, everybody. It's been yes. real. <laughs> yeah, we didn't even get a chance to introduce Keith. We're talking about all the great stuff we're going to talk about this week. Anyway, Keith Patrick is here. Welcome, <laughs> Keith. <laughs> thanks. Glad to be here. <laughs> I was hoping that Spencer would keep saying we have a guest and I just wouldn't say anything. <laughs> just, just, just to see how you react. Just a running thing the whole time. <laughs> yeah. There's an unnamed guest at the end of the table that may or may not be joining us on the actual recording. No, I'm just kidding. He's going to chime in yeah. any second now. No, he is. He's gonna he's gonna pull his weight because we got a uh, oh we got a lot of stuff going on this yeah, week. We do. And, and this is probably the most detailed notes document we've ever put together. It's three pages, and like a page and a half is all is all Keith. I'm a nerd. It's okay. I We're, like I like details and numbers. Details are important. Yeah. Especially when it comes to baseball. Yeah, we count everything in baseball. Yes. That that's what I'm learning. We count <laughs> track everything, write it down. I'm I'm learning a lot about baseball just, just by scrolling through our Google Doc. This is pretty impressive. So Keith is joining us this week. We're going to talk about uh, we're talking about the baseball season that'll be starting in thirty one days. As of today, which is Tuesday, so it'll be 30 starting Wednesday when you hear it. Um, a little bit about Texas Tech football, and then a lot m- more than football. We're going to talk a little bit about basketball. So, for those that are... Oh, gosh. This is great. For those that are, are uh, regular <laughs> listeners to the podcast... <laughs> just, just blow through it and they'll never know. Regular listeners of the podcast will will recognize Keith joined us for the post game Oklahoma State recording when we had that that large group of individuals. Yeah, it's it's, it's it's because of Keith, so there's no pressure here. That was fun. Yeah, that was fun. I'm having like a ten cup moment right now. Spencer's moving everything from one pocket to the other, and <laughs> I'm I'm just trying because his I'm, golf coach told him to. I'm trying to make or sure Cheech Marin. My phones are turned off because <laughs> I got a text message there. My keys in my pocket. That probably made a lot of noise. Supposed to be professional. <laughs> Can I tell you guys that my favorite part of the podcast is when Michael slips into his West Texas voice? Because <laughs> it reminds me of everyone I went to college with. Well, I'd, I'd like to point out that I, I kind of fight to not talk like that all the time. So it's it's never meant as a as a jab or a, or a joke or anything. Uh, 
or not, you know, I mean, just it's revert, meant as a you're joke. You're just reverting to the natural yeah, state. I, I, it's just kind of like all, all the filters are <laughs> they're gone. And if anyone caught me say mirror a couple weeks ago, that was, <laughs> I'm going to try not to say that word that much on recording ever again. Mirror. Yeah. Mirror. Mirror. It sounds like what they brought our savior. <laughs> Frankincense and mirror. <laughs> Oh, oh my man. goodness! We're all right. So and we haven't even been on the rails yet. No, no, we're we're good. <laughs> we, we, I don't think we ever got on. So <clears throat> Keith is joining us tonight to talk a little bit about baseball. Um, also, if you were been listening the past couple of weeks, we've been kind of teasing about this. Keith has some exciting news to share with everybody, and I'm gonna let him take over. I do have. It's exciting news for me. It may not be exciting news for anybody else. I hope there's a few of you that are excited in this news, but I'm going to fire up a, uh, a baseball podcast, a Texas tech baseball podcast. I'm calling it dinger derby. Um, fantastic. You name. can thank you very much. Spent a lot of time with a lot of people annoying them about what that name should be. And it landed right where it started. Um, but <laughs> weekly just talking about tech baseball, I feel like sometimes it can be difficult to get that news. So it, uh, you know, there's some good outlets out there. There's, you know, we write about it on staking the planes for sure. Um, but I'll listen to some of the national podcasts, like hoping for a mention. They know me on Twitter because I always put them on blast when they don't talk about tech enough. You know, there's actually guys that have left the national outlets. A guy left Baseball America, and I kind of said goodbye by telling him I was going to continue to heckle him about not talking enough about tech, even when he wasn't <laughs> covering college baseball anymore. But uh, yeah, it'll be a weekly podcast. It's already up. It's in everybody's feeds. You can pretty much find it everywhere at this point. Uh, got a little intro episode up there so you guys can go ahead and subscribe. And then uh, we'll have a post up tomorrow on uh, Staking the Plains also, kind of announcing it. That first episode will be there too. It'll get posted there every week as well. So I'm really excited about it. Where We're, can they follow you on Twitter? Is that where you were going, <laughs> not Spencer? At all. Sorry, oh. not at all. Great minds not thinking alike. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. It'll be at Dinger underscore Derby. Um, and then I'm at Keith B. Patrick as well. And uh, I've got a, I did set up an email at dinger underscore derby at outlook.com. So questions, comments, critiques, they can come there. But find it everywhere. It's on Apple, Google, Spotify, you name it. Yeah, I downloaded and subscribed to it uh, I think last first. week to the, on Podcast Addict as well. So yeah. if you're a fellow Android user like me, you can find it uh, there. And I would like to point out, because I don't know the lingo, I, I was... I was talking to y'all before we started recording. I'm, I'm not the best with baseball statistics or analysis or lingo apparently, but I love that on Dinger Derby, your bio says that we're hitting taters with the Red Raiders. <laughs> I didn't even know that was a terminology of, of anything. So I'll give you a little background. My, uh, my brother-in-law played baseball for Texas Tech. His name's Madison Edwards. Um, still has a couple records out there from his days, early two thousands. Played at Tech, went on and was in uh, was in the Angels organization and and played in the minors for a few years. And um, just we bond over baseball. We talk about baseball all the time, and it's a lot of fun because you got that player perspective. So when I told him I was doing this, and we started kind of bantering, hitting taters with the Red Raiders came out, and then he gave me just solid gold. Like I have T shirts for years. <laughs> to make for the podcast if anybody ever wanted to buy any that I mean hit and shed with Raider Red like you name it we're gonna have there's plenty of them to to throw out there so that's really where they came from I'll give Madison credit on that but those are fun and you know I I want to have fun with the podcast I want to bring a lot of news and stuff but you know when it comes down to it baseball is supposed to be a good time 
Tech baseball is in the golden age right now, so we're going to enjoy it and uh, hopefully give some people some some info that they may not have had otherwise. Yeah. Speaking, let's just just dive right in. Let's we're, we're gonna we're gonna start with uh, some baseball news. Okay. Some preseason rankings. Yeah, that's, so that's where it, we're at right now. It's been a solid. It's been a solid preseason so far. So there's there's been three preseason rankings that have come out in baseball and college baseball. There's kind of five major publications that everybody pays attention to. Uh, as we go through the season on staking the planes, I'm going to be putting up a rankings post each week, uh, probably Tuesday afternoons. There's probably somewhere. In- there are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. The range of 30 rankings out there that you can access for college baseball. Some of them are like, you know, it's one dude that likes statistics. Some of them are much more established, but it's interesting to see the trends. Uh, but kind of those those five majors, three of those have come out. Collegiate Baseball Newspaper uh, ranked Tech number four. That's the second year in a row Tech's been in their top five preseason. Now, there's a little bit of a caveat with this one. It seems like a poll, and they call it a poll, but it's really just one dude that does this thing. So there are times that he punishes Tech for losses that people get mad about. Tech will be in the teens in his rankings while being at the top of others. So he's a little bit different. Um Perfect Game, which is a big one. Perfect Game does a ton of baseball uh, ra- ranking for recruits and, uh, and of course, prospects because you can be drafted out of high school uh, in baseball. So uh, they're a really big uh, service. They have Tech ranked number five. They also had Tech with the highest ranked, out of all the major services, ranked Tech's recruiting class the highest. It was ranked number seven this year. Um, others had them, you know, a little bit lower, 10, 12, you know, things like that. And then D1Baseball.com, kind of the holy grail as far as I'm concerned. Those guys do, I think, the best job in college baseball. They do fantastic. They rank Tech number three. So that's Tech's highest preseason ranking ever, uh, probably from what I think is the best outlet. That outlet is also one that named uh, Tim Tadlock Coach of the Year last year. So, I remember that. Yeah. I recognized the the website, and I couldn't remember why until you mentioned. Man, that. those guys get all over the place. They also just announced they expanded their coverage with some new folks around the country. So they do a really good job. Um, and I, I give them a lot of credit when I talk about these places. 
they've been covering college baseball for a long time, and this sport's on the upswing. So it's exciting to see new fans and new people getting involved, and it's because of folks that have been pushing and covering it for so long that you see it getting better. I can't believe how much more – and we were talking about this with basketball either last week or the week before, but how much easier it is to catch a bas- uh, baseball game on TV. Mm-hmm. NCAA yeah. baseball on TV was just kind of – that was left to maybe – 10 programs right used to and and now you can catch just about all the big 12 games on tv it's that i think that exposure has really helped a lot along with uh you know living in lubbock you kind of see the the good side of it all because we've been on a heck of a run for right five years now maybe maybe six yeah sorry guys keep having to clear my throat that's great radio (laughs) (laughs) it's fantastic yeah i can't can't help but acknowledge it when i'm in mid-sentence and then (laughs) sound like Kermit the Frog. I got to do something about it. I was thinking that when you were, when you were asking, you know, yeah, you see it from the tech side, you know, three college world series in five years. Tadlock's been here, I think seven, um, you know, depending on what you count, he was here as an assistant, but yeah, it's been a good run and tech had some good history, nothing really elite, but some solid history before that. Um, but when you kind of step out of that and look at college baseball as a whole, it has really – the entire sport is growing and rising and gaining popularity. And I do think TV rights are a part of that. The Big 12, those those Tier 3 media rights are good. And it's funny you say that. There was a big announcement this evening. Uh, Texas Tech TV has now released a Roku and an Apple TV app. Um, so it's that – you know, it's kind of tech streaming service. It's like 10 bucks a month, I think, 80 bucks a year. Um, to watch, you know, soccer and baseball, uh, home, like not un- otherwise untelevised home games, things like that, stuff that, that they produce themselves. But, you know, if it's something you want to watch and you don't get to see it otherwise, it's some really good stuff and now making it even easier to get. I think that's that, there's nothing but good in that for tech baseball and the, the sport in general. It's definitely helped me as kind of a passive baseball fan to be able to, oh, well, I, I could watch this. I can tune in and see this game as opposed to, you know, listening to the radio, it, it baseball is a pretty, uh, it's a good, it's a well-paced game to listen to on the radio. Mm-hmm. You can kind of come away and come back to it. And you may have missed a few things. I mean, you may have missed a lot, but, uh, you can kind of pick up, you can see what happened. You can figure right. out what was going on. Uh, so it, it's, it's well for radio and, and hacks and, you know, Lent do a good job of, of broadcasting it, but there's just something about actually seeing it. Right. And the, and the Texas tech TV, um, is as long as it's only on the stream is connected with that radio broadcast with, with Jeff and Jamie. So, um, and you gotta give tech credit because you watch some other sports like at other schools and it's trash. I mean, it's, it's one camera on top of a press box or something, you know, tech's got like a full, like four or five camera shoot going on. They've got the radio guys. And when it's on Fox sports Southwest for baseball and like non-conference basketball, that's all tech produced. You know, they're not sending anybody. It's tech, it's tech radio talent. It's tech yeah, it's camera guys. Everybody, like I said, Gia John Vanetti. Harris and right. And, and for baseball, it's Gia Vanetti and Mike Gustafson that do that uh, on that TV broadcast, which I think is pretty cool too. Not only that, Texas Tech has that control, but they have the guys to throw in there and put on a really a pretty quality broadcast, especially the the visual is right. really good. Go Spencer, you're the host. I I was gonna say something like ten minutes ago <laughs> and we just kinda of blew past it. <clears throat> Excuse sorry, me, I had, I had just, a frog in my throat. Oh, when Mike bring it back. When Michael asked about my Twitter, you, well, were, yeah. you were going somewhere else. I was gonna one ask you who else has Dinger Derby that you had to go through and get the uh, the underscore. 
Oh, I don't know. Oh, yeah. So on the on Twitter, when I uh, yeah when I went to look, it was like one guy. He hasn't tweeted since 2015, as as it always is <laughs> when you want a, a Twitter handle. So every time I've I've been thinking of changing mine closer to my actual name instead of what are kind of random letters now. But every time I do it, there's just there's just too many. There's too many Michael McDonald's in this world and too many variations of that. <laughs> but and only two that really matter, I think. That's right. <laughs> and we can debate on who has the better voice, but we know who will win. I only know that Michael McDonald exists because, oh, because of 40-year-old virgin. There's, there's three. There's uh, the guy that was on Mad TV who played Stuart, and he, he was the tall guy. I don't know. His name's Michael McDonald, too. So there's there's three of us floating around that really that really contribute that, to that society. Have really, that have really done something. Oh, <laughs> yes. Could almost could could just practically say have quote made it. The three of us, no one else. <laughs> okay, so I remember what I was going to say. Oh, okay, good. Good. I stalled long enough. <laughs> it, it, it wasn't even like that long ago, but it was um, when you were talking about Texas Tech TV uh, actually purchasing a subscription there. Um, to me, as as uh, I'm, I'm probably a little bit more of a baseball fan than probably a lot of people would sure. consider themselves. I think we have a lot of casual fans and starting to pick up on that. But I think the eighty dollars you said it was eighty dollars a year, yeah, is almost like with the baseball coverage you get that is not otherwise televised is worth it. Yeah, just, I agree. Just, just to see those games and to the the production quality you were talking about the, mm-hmm. the, the different camera angles, the actual broadcast crew. And I'm not exaggerating. When Texas Tech plays New Mexico State, for instance, you can find that stream. They have some random, really small streaming service they use. It is a camera on top of a press box. So you're looking through a net, and then in like between innings, they zoom in on the scoreboard. You know, that's that's all you're getting. So and wasn't that what they had when they played New Mexico State in Midland a couple of years ago? I don't remember. Or last year, whenever that was. Did they play at the Rockhound Stadium for that one? I think so. Yeah. Is New oh, that was State that was the game that that was was un- like crazy, like twenty five to seventeen or something. No, it's not the one I'm thinking of. Then uh, it was the one where uh, Zach Reams hit the walk off home run. Oh, that was in the wind. Yeah, yeah, that was crazy wind one night. I didn't watch that one. I was uh, I was working and listening on a on a headset. Is yeah. New Mexico State the one where the the visiting broadcasters basically like just sit in the, the stands. stands. Yeah, that's yes quality. Yes. It's, that's what yeah. I thought. So Jamie was telling a story. I can't remember when it was um, broadcasting a game there. New Mexico State has been fairly trash lately, um, and like it, it was, it was, it was a game when uh, Josh Young hit hit for the cycle, mm-hmm. um, and they were getting like animated about it. And I guess a New Mexico State fan, a few rows ahead, him like turned around and started like yelling at him, like. <laughs> yeah. We're on the radio. I, I'm, what am I supposed to do about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, Michael had mentioned that we, we Texas Tech baseball, has been on, on a little bit of a, a roll this past few seasons. Um, I think the uh, the star power on the roster is probably as great as as, it's, as I can ever remember. I, I've been a fan for for ten years now, and even back then, it wasn't. It was a lot of Dan Spencer teams that were. Ooh, interesting. The dark days. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, we, we've got three guys here in our notes document that we, we were going to talk about specifically that are preseason, like, on All-American lists. Yeah. Um, you know, everybody knows Josh Young. He's on several. But we, we want to start with Gabe Holt, uh, mm-hmm. the sophomore, then freshman superstar that came out of – 
to me. I, I don't pay a lot of attention to baseball recruiting. I, I mentioned before, it's so difficult to follow. It is hard. With actual recruiting and then trying to figure out, okay, who got drafted and are they leaving and all that kind of stuff. So I, I don't really pay attention to the recruiting side of it. Right. So he, he showed up. I didn't really know who he was or what to expect. Um, and then he just, you know, was phenomenal as a freshman. Um, being recognized now as, as, as a second team preseason All-American by the Collegiate Baseball newspaper, the same guys that wrote mm-hmm. Tech in as the number four preseason ranking. Um, it's also selected as or chosen as a Big 12, sorry, the Big 12 freshman of the year by the Big 12 coaches. Um, guy that played multiple positions last year. Do, do you Do you have any ideas about where he might settle in 2019? Yeah, so um, – and I and I agree with you. Following baseball recruiting is really hard, and like the the best way to do it is search for Texas Tech on Twitter and find dudes that have put Texas Tech in their Twitter profile. Like that's about the easiest way to find yeah. commitments because all you're going to get from Tadlock is put it on the board. Right, um, right. Gabe Holt, just a little background. He was the number two shortstop in Georgia. He's from Bonaire, Georgia. So when he came here, there was questions. You know, where's he going to end up on the in, in the infield? You still had Michael Davis. He played a fair amount of second. Um, but I think they liked. Didn't he, didn't he play most of the season until like really late? Then he moved out. He to right? played a fair amount, yeah. For the most part, they had Brian Klein occasionally, you know. Right. And there, Brian Klein uh, had some struggles in right, just based on speed. Um, and so, yeah, you ended up putting Gabe Holt out there fairly late in the season. He really liked it, but obviously his route running was was a struggle at times. Everybody saw that. Uh, even in the College World Series, he just missed some balls or, or was out of position, and that just comes with experience. But he's blazing fast. Um, I, I, I should have grabbed it in front of me. Let me see if I have it, actually. Um, he stole 29 bases last year, and he never got caught, um, it, which is impressive, you know, obviously. There are guys that have, haven't stole that in two seasons on, that, are, that are solid base runners. So, right. um, and he was your leadoff hitter, and he was always on base. So he was just incredibly useful uh, and valuable as a freshman. But I, I would guess, if I had my, if I had my guess, he's going to end up um, – he's probably going to end up in right field. I think that's what he wants. I think he enjoys the outfield. He's got the speed for it. Um, so on one of the corners would be my guess. Right or left field, I think, is where you'll probably end up seeing him. And he's he's definitely playing. I mean, you're going to want him in the lineup. Um, he's a fantastic hitter. Um, and what I enjoyed, <clears throat> when Kirby Hocutt was hiring a football coach, he didn't come on about half of his radio show that Wednesday on Double right. T ninety seven three and they had Coach Tadlock kind of fill in. That was great radio. And, and they thirty asked, minutes of Tadlock. Yeah. And they yeah. asked him about Giovanetti asked him about um you know a new player that we're gonna talk about in a minute and, and who was faster, him or Holt. And uh, and this kid Max Marshak, he's he's plus plus speed. He's top of the ranking. I mean he is maxed out on speed on the video game. Uh, and he still said I don't think anybody gets around the bases as fast as Holt. You know, so um, definitely a guy that you're excited about. Worst thing about Gabe Holt, he's a draft eligible sophomore. So yeah, he has another fantastic season. He's probably out of here. <laughs> yeah, he. You mentioned uh, units a freshman. He's a fantastic hitter. He has this really, to me, like really interesting approach. Um, he's he's hitting for contact, right? Which yeah. which you want as a, as a leadoff guy. He chokes up on the bat, which is something you don't really see, see a okay. whole lot of, and he swings at just about everything close and like makes a surprising amount of contact for some of the, 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 the swings he takes and some of like uh, of the reaches he has. You're like, man, this dude must strike out a lot. No, he's, he makes a lot of contact. He, he puts a lot of balls in, in, in play and he's, he's making the defense 
make a play because he's just so fast. Um, he, he had a surprising to me amount of power. Uh, I, 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 he hit what, like five or six home runs? He hit six home runs, yeah. Which, okay, it's, it's not a lot, but um, still, it's not usually a position of power. When you, when you when he played a significant portion of the season at second base, that's not usually a power hitter position. Um, he hit more than than what you would expect there. Um, interesting and, to see the his, his transition to, to a more of a full time out outfielder. Um, you could tell he he took to heart some of the the, the criticism he got in in, the, in Omaha because like there's some tweets there. It was like mm-hmm. very self aware. Like I really messed that up. Yeah, but which to me I I like to see because it wasn't just like he, he blew it off or like you know he cared and like he understood like okay I'm. I'm mess that up right and it was you know I think he's a I mean your approach is the perfect example he's a selfless guy he's going to go up and do what his team needs and he didn't want to let his team down um, and he did he made some mistakes and I was there uh, especially in that Arkansas game I mean they rode him hard yeah you know the outfield stands did um, but he took it in stride with a smile he's always kind of got a, a goofy grin and I think that's positive but um, he seems like he has a great attitude I don't I don't know him personally but he seems like a great kid that that just wants to play good baseball um but I'm I'm excited that he's out there. I think uh, the speed that he brings to the outfield is really positive. I think the speed that Texas Tech will have in the outfield this year is is going to be something to see. I think you're used to the circus catches of of Little and and Farhat, but I think the speed that these three guys are going to bring is going to be impressive. Um, who, who else is going to be out in the outfield with them? Well, I think that you will probably see. Um, I think you'll probably see. Well, and I had it written down, and now I don't see it. I thought I did. Now who's bringing the solid radio? Is it the? Is it Max? I think that you're going to see. Gonna get some time I think Marshak is probably going to be uh, your left fielder. If I had a guess, uh, so Marshak he's plus plus speed. He like I said, maxed out in the ratings. Uh, he was the number one outfielder in Texas coming in as as a recruit, number eight overall Texas recruit. Um, I think you'll probably see him in left field. If I had a guess. Uh, because you have some experienced players with a lot of speed that can play center. Uh, Cody Masters probably the top of that list in my mind that would that would jump out there. But uh, you know they're going to move him around. I know there was one thing I was going to say about Holt. Tadlock later on after the season did say that he felt like they probably did make that change, putting him in right field too late. You know if they were going to experiment with that, it should have been a little bit different time. Uh, so, but that's what baseball is. You're always experimenting and tinkering and trying to find the right the right way to put the puzzle pieces together. And I don't remember a single time that Gabe Holt making an error or mistake was, was a game changing issue in right field, even though it was a little bit frustrating at times. So, and he got hits when you needed them. But anyway, yeah, I think your I think your outfield's going to have a lot of speed. Cody masters is a name. A lot of people don't know he's been on the team. Uh, also brings a ton of speed to the table and athleticism. Yeah. So one more thing about Holt and his speed, we were talking about, um, and I'm I'm blanking on, on this series. I I think it was, it was a super regional against Duke, and it was in the third game. Um, I believe he was on first, and I I can't remember the batter behind him. It was Klein or, or somebody else, got a base hit into the corner, like the right field corner, and like the highlight, the video clip showed him like rounding third. Dude was like galloping. Yeah, moving. Yeah. <laughs> insanely fast yeah it's it's something to see and and everybody kind of saw it in the fall last year and we're like there's no way he's as fast as how does he look so fast but yeah he's <laughs> and I was wrong he did he got caught twice officially on paper he was 
he was 29 stolen bases and, and two caught stealing. But yeah, he's uh, it's a pretty decent success yeah, rate. It's not bad. And and I'm telling you, it was I'm almost positive it wasn't until like this the regionals or the supers that he had those. Yeah, catches. it was super late, and I I I'm trying to remember if it wasn't like like a hit and run that the batter missed or something. Yes. So One like, of them like, was so like, he got caught not on his own. He got caught officially. Right. But yeah. it wasn't because, you know, he had a bad jump or right. The other team were just faster getting there. It was a, a missed hit and run. Yeah. But yeah, he, he was practically a double. If he didn't hit a double, which he hit, he hit 13 of them. He was going to get second pretty darn quick. So, <laughs> The other guy, one one of the guys we want to talk about is uh, Caleb Killian. Obviously, he had a, a a change in his role this past season. Started off in the bullpen, moved out as a, one of the starting pitchers. Really helped fill in uh, for Gingry once he went out. You know, in Game One to take over the Saturday starting position. Um, probably going to be your ace this season. You, you would expect, or I, I would what's expect. the thought there? Yeah, I think he's your ace. I think he's. I think he's your Friday guy, unless for some reason he doesn't. His stuff's not there. Um, there's a potential that he moves around. I mean, if McMillan's you know rolling, there's some there's some movement there, you know, between those two. But I would think they're the two guys that that you're looking to, and then you're looking for an answer for Sunday, you know, from from somebody new. That's what I would think. And and Killian was also a draft eligible sophomore last year, mm. and the only out of your your eleven draftees, the only one able to stay that decided to do that. Yeah, he was drafted, we've got it here, in the 20th round by the Orioles, 595th pick, which sounds like a lot, but... 20th round is, is not, not bad Yeah, it's at about, all. what, midway through? Yeah, I mean, so these... these uh, a couple of the, the freshmen that we'll be talking about, they were drafted in like the 38th, 39th, you know, so 20th was, was not an easy thing to walk away from, for sure, but I think he felt like he could improve his stock and that he had more upside to bring. Um, plus you still have your negotiating power, you know, as far as not being a senior and the opportunity to stay at school even longer. So, um, do you think that third starter on Sunday is going to be a bike committee? Like we saw with Duchetter? I no, <laughs> I don't know if we'll ever see a Duchetter again. That was, that was pretty special. Uh, although we've seen it in the bigs now, so, so maybe it'll continue. I think you're going to see, um, I think you're going to see the hope of some guys stepping up. Uh, there's some there's some guys that did things last year. You've got Bryce Bonin, who's a, a transfer from Arkansas that's immediately available. Um, he's a high-speed guy. He's a 96-plus guy. Um, they felt like at Arkansas that he was a bullpen, uh, a bullpen pitcher, and, and he felt like he had starting potential. So who knows what he looks like right now. We haven't seen him much. Uh, and then you've got a guy named uh, Mason Montgomery. He's a left-handed guy. He was the number two left-handed pitcher in Texas coming out of high school, number nine overall player. He was the number eight left-handed pitcher in America uh, coming into the draft class. So he's your highest-rated pitcher that came in. He was dra- one of the ones that was drafted out of high school. He was drafted by the White Sox, I think, in the 38th round. Uh, so there's a potential there if his stuff is ready. Um, I think that Tadlock was happy with what he did. I was looking at, at uh, Michael Labar's right up after the, the fall uh, games, after the Red and Black series, and he wasn't really impressed with him, but Tadlock specifically in his press conference mentioned him and liked what he had done. So I'll trust him over Labar. Sorry, man. <laughs> <laughs> that seems fair. And then finally, one, one of the other guys we, we have to talk about is 
I would say undoubtedly your best player on the field. I would agree. Josh Young, third base. It's yeah. going to remain there. Um, he was also picked in the he was picked first team preseason All American uh, by the per, by perfect by sorry by both Perfect Game and Collegiate Baseball Newspaper. My notes are so far away; I'm having a hard time reading them. <laughs> um, he, he's uh, Michael's handing me his glasses. Thank you. Projected as, as oh, Michael, you're still here. <laughs> yeah, no, this is good. I'm enjoying. I'm learning a lot. Project- I wanted to ask a question earlier, but I thought it was dumb, so I, I, no, I decided no, to ask your question. Well, well, now we have to hear it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, did you finish what you were saying about Josh Young, though? Um, projected as possibly a top 10 overall pick in this year's draft, which yeah. is just ridiculous. We thought yeah. Grant Little went in the second round, and it was obvious. I mean, the second round out of 40, whatever yeah. rounds in, in, in the MLB draft is something ridiculous, but this could be top 10 overall. Um and then Young played for for Team USA this summer. After after the the trip in Omaha wrapped up, he joined the he joined Team USA. Did really well for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I should say, uh, Gabe Holt played summer ball as well. He got uh, injured a li- kind of later in that season and came back, so you didn't hear as much about it. But I think if he had played out his his summer season, that you would have heard some some accolades for him as well uh, because he had a he had a solid showing there. Yeah. But yeah, young first team all preseason All American, and when I say projected top ten pick, that's pretty unanimous amongst the services. And there are plenty that are willing to say, "Hey, he could be a top five draft pick." Um, so it just depends, I think, on how his bat is this season. Uh, he hit well last year for sure. There's certainly nothing to complain about. He hit three oh six. He slugged four fifty three. He only hit six home runs. Um, so I think you just like to see him hit with a little more power, a little more consistency. He is really methodical at the plate. He has some some interesting things he does. He talks to his bat. Nobody knows what he says. I think that's one of my favorite things. What a lot of people may not know about Josh Young, too, he's very mental in the way that he clears out any error, mistake, or whatever it is, a strikeout, and moves on um, to the point of it being physical. He walks in the dugout, and he has a miniature toilet, and he flushes that tiny toilet to flush whatever strikeout he just had and to move on with his game. I mean, yeah, I never heard of that. It's, it's, it's amazing, but he's very mental. And and Tadlock has talked about that. I mean, they almost literally have to run him out of the cages. He's there so much, you know, they have to stop him from working sometimes. So that's the kind of mindset and work ethic that'll get you, get you far in the next level. So I'm looking forward to him taking a step forward. It's hard to think of him, the vacuum on that, on that hot corner doing more but I think you may see him do do more, especially at the plate this year. And he he had some at least early on in the season some phenomenal power. I think that first series he had what three home runs. He did against Maine. Well, okay, yeah. but it was also like, oh my gosh, is this dude gonna like really go off and hit twenty five home runs? This oh, season? I'm sorry, I said he hit three oh six. That was his freshman year. He oh. hit three ninety two last year. That was my bad. He hit, I was about to say six dingers doesn't sound right. He hit 12 home runs last year. But I definitely think that he could be a 15-plus home run guy, uh, depending on the situations you're putting him in. And then really quickly, we want to talk about some of the, the other incoming freshmen. We, we, we've already talked about Max. Uh, you're after, tell me. I think it's Marshak. Marshak. So, and the D1 guys on their podcast this week were saying Marusic, but – I've looked up some YouTube videos of he's from the Amarillo area, so, or he went to Amarillo High. So some of the local media called him Marshak on the news. Okay. So I'm going with that. You also mentioned Mason Montgomery, um, and then we, there's a there's a JUCO shortstop Dylan 
Noisy. Noisy. Mm-hmm. Um, looks like super high fielding percentage there. Yeah, he had a 980 fielding percentage at McLennan Community College. And his slash line is he's a 333, 418, 536. Now, that was in JUCO. Um, but there are definitely some folks that believe he will come in and, and fill that Michael Davis role. He may not be making the crazy athletic, deep in the hole, flying through the air throws that Davis made. Michael Davis could throw almost 100 miles an hour from shortstop to first. Uh, so there was some real power in his arm. He may not have that arm, but he definitely has athleticism. I think he'll bring the bat. Uh, and I don't, and I mean, I think there are a couple other guys like Parker Kelly and some others on the team that may be vying for that, but he seems like a front runner to jump in with experience at shortstop. And then Cole Stillwell uh, looks like to be adding another option there behind the plate. It, it seemed like when um, Berglund left before last season, that there was going to be kind of a hole there. And then you saw the two guys step up this year and just not seem to take like a step back at all. It went pretty well. Yeah, I think. You did think there was going to be a hole. Um, Braxton Fulford was a freshman out of Monterey here in Lubbock and uh, had some had some problems but really settled in defensively. Zane Willems was that kind of other third guy. Tadlock kind of goes two-thirds, one-third with his catchers uh, more often than not. Uh, but there has been some pretty big changes in the offseason. Willems decided uh, really last spring that he wanted to pitch. So he's actually going to be a bullpen reliever this year wow. and won't be catching at all. Uh, so you have Braxton Fulford, but – I've been really excited about Cole Stillwell. He was the number three catcher in Texas coming in. He was really one of your first big recruits in this class that made some waves. He was drafted by the Astros out of high school. Uh, and I'm just really – I really have a feeling that he might be able to snag that job uh, depending on what his arm looks like. He apparently has a cannon and can really make that throw. So I'm excited to see what that is. And that's something, at least I feel like, you were probably missing the most from your catcher was – somebody that was reliable, reliably able to gun somebody down in a second. Yeah. Um, you got eaten alive the past few off-season, not off-seasons, post-seasons, by teams just stealing almost at will yeah. to, to get to second. Um, your, your defensive catchers outside of throwing to, to, to second have been phenomenal, right? Like you've, you've been able to, to keep everything in front of them. Um, they catch really well. They just couldn't – that was like their one weak spot was throwing out – yeah, a would be stealer, um, and and we mentioned several of them, but and others may be wondering well, what about him. Uh, Colton Sanchez was still on the team, and and he transferred and went to West Texas A and M. So that's kind of where where as you said, in Berglund also transferred. That's where some of your guys kind of kind of moved around to. Okay, there's one more person you don't have him on your list, so I don't know if you are ready to talk about him. Michael Harris, the no. outfielder pitcher out of Georgia. Had a final four of Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, and Texas Tech. Picked the Red Raiders on signing day. And with his commitment and signing, according to Perfect Game and their recruiting ranking, moved the class from 23rd, from 23rd to 14th. Wow. Um, he is supposedly the number 67 overall prospect in the country. Six foot, 195 pound guy. Um, low 90s fastball, good breaking ball. Switch hitter who hit 506 last year in high in, school. In high school, yeah. Um, so another guy to keep your eye on, possibly pushing for some time in the outfield or a bullpen guy or like a midweek outfielder. I think early you will see, and we did last year, you saw it with Casey Simonich, you saw Parker Kelly, you saw Kurt Wilson in the field, you saw Cody Masters. If there's a if there's a position up for grabs, right field was last year. 
Coach Tadlock will will run guys through and give them a chance uh, and give them their opportunity to to grab a position. So I think you'll see a lot of those names, and then you may not see them again for most of the season outside of you know pinch running or injuries. Um, an interesting kind of story with that as far as that kind of opportunity. Zach Reams, from what I'm told, was really about a week away from being cut from the team. Um, and it really was in those – it was that walk-off home run, I believe, against New Mexico State. He came on, and then he never came back off. You know, Coach Tadlock gave him one last opportunity at DH, and then all of a sudden uh, he was he was your power hitter for the rest of the season. So giving those guys opportunities to do something special can pay off. That was one of my questions. I actually have one. Oh, here we go. I'm still here. <laughs> and and that voice for those wondering is Michael McDonald. That's that's this is me. rejoining the podcast. I'm back. <laughs> I went outside. I ran some. I ran some errands real quick. No, no. I'm. Uh, I just I just didn't want to interrupt with with uh, terrible thoughts. But I did have a question as far as you mentioned Zach Reams and uh, his ability to DH and just what did he hit 28. No, it wasn't. It was like seventeen or eighteen home runs last year. And it seemed like the, most of them came in like the regional and super regional, dude. Like right. every, every time he came up, it was like, okay, he's he's about to clear the bases. He got he got really hot in the postseason, and, and yeah. you, he just had that feeling. Like you just walked up with that feeling. Yeah, is, is there? And it's not fair to ask this, but is there anyone on the team that you could see that could produce that kind of power? You know, possibly. You don't want to put that kind of pressure on somebody or anything but well that was a lot of peas there could be a chance <laughs> all alliteration aside i need to i'm trying to look up uh michael's fall report he he mentioned someone that he thinks could be that person i have a a personal theory that may not be exactly reasonable but i i think it's it's an interesting prospect i think that since hunter hargrove left you have missed um a lot of athleticism at first base. I love Cam Warren. I think he's a good player, but there's some balls that get past him that wouldn't have gotten past Hargrove, who was very athletic coming off the bag. And so I've wondered if there may not be an opportunity here with Cam coming back as a senior for um, somebody more athletic to, to learn first, to move over to first, and put Cam in the DH role. Because he brought some power last year, especially situationally, and if that was his focus a little bit, then maybe there would be an opportunity there. So I don't know. But – uh, are you looking up so Lamar's I, article? I found the article. I'm, I'm trying to read quickly through and see if I can find a. Uh, What's the name of the article? Oh, this is on stakingtheplanes.com. <laughs> Texas Tech baseball colon red and black series review. Perfect. November 15th, 2018. For those that want to read along. Um, <laughs> nothing gets better than nothing better than reading on live radio. Right, I, I can just like set read cruise this control as, and just pull it up. As soon as I see the as soon as I see the name, I'll remember. I, I read through this earlier today. I prepared for you guys. Um, I did just see a name that that popped in my head um, as I scrolled through this. John Henry Gonzalez. John Henry Gonzalez last year was a little bit of a white flag to the the fans in the stands when he came in he just had never quite been able to put it together when he came in you felt like okay we're we're conceding this game and we're going to eat up some innings he's transferred john henry gonzalez left uh, and is now at ut rio grande valley and i'm curious if we might see him in the two game midweek series that we'll have have him with but uh, so tj rumfield rumfield was one that that labar uh, mentioned he had a lot of power in the in the red and black game uh, it's hard to it's hard to judge from that. He he had two runs and and ten RBI when during that red and black game had a lot of doubles. Um, 
I think Labar feels like he may be a guy that you see at DH. I think he obviously he has skills as a third baseman. He's obviously not going to be th- playing third base this year, but that could definitely be someone that breaks in the lineup from the DH role. I have no reason to think that they would want to move Cam to DH. Uh, I'm just thinking about athleticism at first and if that's something they want or to get a, a younger guy in there uh, for, for any reason. And one other pitcher to mention, Micah Dallas is somebody that uh, has gotten some publicity and that Labar liked seeing in the, in the fall as well. So I think you're just going to see a lot of a lot of new new faces and names. There's just a lot of guys that have come in. There are guys vying for spots and fighting for roster positions. And I mean that's good. That that kind of competitiveness is positive. There are a ton of names in this this report from Michael that I don't I, I don't remember at all. Like a Garrett Cobb, Dryden Vierden, Jaden Fowler, Cade Farr, Noah Huerta, Hunter Dobbins. These are all pitchers. Taylor Floyd. So. If you want to familiarize yourself with some some incoming talent, uh, check out that story. Like I said, it was back in November from Labar. Um, before too long, we're actually going to get to actually see the team for ourselves. The opening series is the weekend of uh, Valentine's Day from the 15th to uh-huh. the 18th. It's a yep. four-game series against Oregon. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you, you want me to talk about Oregon? I mean, if, if you have anything to talk about, or I don't. I haven't done the research yet so to I've know been, what kind of team they are. I've been writing a non-conference uh, look ahead at all of our non-conference, all of Texas Tech's non-conference games. That's going to go up on Thursday on Staking the Plane. So I brought that with me uh, to look at those a little bit. I won't go too in-depth, but Oregon, despite being a big name in a Power 5 conference, uh, is not a strong baseball team. Um, they, they're not Oregon State. They're not. They had a lot of <laughs> conference titles. Unfortunately, those ended in 1957. Um, so they That's about when Tex football titles ended. <laughs> <laughs> Boom from the corner over there. Uh, I think still that, here. I think that their last NCAA tournament appearance was in 2015. Uh, they were 26 and 29 last year. I, I don't look for them to be a major test, uh, but they are a Power Five school. They're going to have. They're going to have positive. Uh, you know, solid players are going to have athleticism, things like that. I'm not going to go through and read you, you know, every single one, but they've missed they've missed the tourney three years in a row. Uh, they had a 460 combined ERA last year, so that's like 126 in the country. Which in baseball, when you're almost got 300 teams, it's not horrible, but uh, you know, it, it's who you want in your opening series. Sure. I don't think you really want Maine, but I think it's nice to have a Power Five opponent that will. You know they'll contend with you a little bit, and you can start running pitchers through and seeing if Erickson Lanning is ready and if Jake McDonald is fully back from injury and and things like that. Then the next weekend you're hosting Kentucky. You went on the road to visit them last year. You had like a w- really weird two game series against them in Louisville. No, you had a Lexington. You had a full series of Kentucky oh, and sorry, sorry. Yes, it was a full mm-hmm. series against Kentucky and then two games against Louisville. And then you went immediately on the road to, to Baylor. Baylor to open your Big 12 it was like slate. It's a weird trip. You lost like four. It was horrible. Like six games. Well, yeah. well, one of those games got canceled for Louisville snow. canceled it. Well, Louisville canceled a game for impending weather. The second game. The second that. game. Yeah. And so did right. Arkansas. I, actually, I don't think Louisville's game got canceled. I think it was just Arkansas. Now that I say that. I think it was just. They didn't want us. I think it was just one of the Arkansas games. I think Louisville. I think we played them all. Tech played them all. Yeah. Okay, the 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 games in Waco against Baylor did have some some weather issues too. I remember that like the yeah. first second game, like there was a big delay right in the middle of the game. It was like a ten day road trip, and you spent a lot of time in a very cold state of Kentucky. Uh, Tadlock really learned from that one, I think, and got heaters when we played <laughs> Kansas State. 
uh, they, in Kansas, they put a they put a tent with heaters over the bullpen to keep those guys warm. Um, it was just it was not a good trip. Oh, it was a horrible trip actually, and it really started a downslide. You know, kind of early in the Big Twelve season, that it took them some time to dig their way back out of that. That trip was probably the reason they didn't win a Big Twelve title. Uh, so anyway, yeah, now you get Kentucky here. And then one more home game, New Mexico State, before you get the Frisco College Baseball Classic. This is something that has got me a little, little interested and excited because previous few years you've gone to play in Houston and that early season tournament. The Shriners. The, the Shriners Baseball Classic. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one's in Frisco, like I said. Uh, you'll be playing against Nebraska, Mississippi State, who was also a Omaha or Super Regional team. I can't remember. But they were a postseason. Mississippi State was in Omaha. They were in Omaha last year, and then Sam Houston State, which you played in the Super and got beat a couple years ago, right? When they had some pitcher like throw 180 pitches. Yeah, that, they had a junk it, baller, yeah. dude. Like it was and throwing were, like high fifties, and yeah. you, you couldn't hit them. <laughs> that was so frustrating. And he was and he was like five seven, a buck twenty five, and he had the nastiest goatee. It was it was so frustrating, but I will tell you, I Sounds love like a great villain. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of like like a Cameron Smith type body, and he threw just. Like oh, a ton like of you just can't you can't defeat him, and he, then he's just got that goatee on top of it all. Yeah. I was very excited. Yeah, he did. He he pitched an unbelievable number of pitches. Um, I will tell you though, I am super excited about Frisco. I think it's a great tournament. They call themselves the best outside Omaha, and I mean this is a good this is a good group of teams. It's like fifty bucks to see every game in the weekend, and Tech plays each of the three days. It's already all a set schedule, so I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Nebraska has good baseball history; uh, they've been down a little bit recently, but still another you know a Power Five team. Mississippi State, ton of I mean, really one of the blue bloods of college baseball. Uh, they were in the the series, as you said last year. They've been in the series ten times, uh, and it's well known they have not won a championship. Now, difference with them, uh, they went to the College World Series last year with a. Uh, I'm blanking on the word with an interim head coach. Mm. And now they've hired a new head coach who came from Indiana. And there's a lot of questions there. They have a very talented team, but a lot of, a lot of folks don't feel like he had a whole lot of success before coming there. So we'll kind of see how that one plays out. Um, And then Sam Houston state, I'll tell you, despite losing to them in 17 in the supers there, I really like that team. I really like Matt. Excuse me. (laughs) I really like Matt Deggs. Their coach, he has had, he's a real kind of down to the bottom and, and back up to success kind of story. Uh, it really, really worth listening to if you ever have a chance to hear, hear from him or hear about his story. Sam Houston State has a ton of baseball tradition all the way back to like NAIA and Division II. Uh, so interesting to see them kind of reemerge in that. They actually won uh, a championship in NAIA back in the 60s. So kind of interesting. But they also, and I, this is just a personal thing, my favorite heckling experience of all time was with their first base coach when we played them. He was he responded to our heckles even during play. Um, he had We had a great time with him. We called him the wrong name the entire weekend, um, which was a lot of fun, you know, and then we tweeted at him later. It, it stunk to lose, but I'm really looking forward to heckling that guy again. Yeah, so – that last game where we got eliminated, it was a good day for us because we sold our house in Hobbs and we were like driving back during the end of that game. Mm-hmm. And so it was super frustrating to like hear us lose. Um, but that was, that was one of those teams that just like you could not catch them stealing a base. And then they were, anytime that they got a runner in first and second was open, they were stealing. You just, and it was almost a guarantee that you weren't going to catch them. They yeah. were fast. They were always, they were aggressive. Um, so yeah, if this is the kind of baseball coverage you uh, you enjoy, 
you should definitely check out the Dinger Derby. Yeah. Coming up here. I think your first episode will be in two weeks. Yeah, I'm, I'm planning on dropping that first one uh, January 31st. That's my thought. So, and I'll, I'll publish those out on, on Thursdays is my plan. So two weeks before the season starts, and then you'll be weekly going through the season. That's the idea. And then uh, I've got some really fun ideas for interviews and guests to have on. So maybe there'll be extra episodes, just that kind of interview type stuff. I can't, yeah. I can't wait for Keith to interview me. <laughs> About baseball? <laughs> About baseball. That's what this has been, Michael. Oh, <laughs> Have, have I done okay? You've done a great job. Okay. <laughs> um, I was really worried about it. This is probably as much baseball as we're ever going to talk on this podcast. I mean, especially now that Keith's going to have Dinger Derby. Um, so we will do weekly baseball updates. We won't be diving into slash lines or even what those are. We should have a Dinger Derby like segment, like a little mini. Yeah. I'll just play like a, a clip from the last episode into the. I'll just record you something special. Oh, that'd be nice. <laughs> just like a just like a thirty second, two minute clip of just a recap of the yeah. of the latest series. This is how the sausage is made, folks. Right here. <laughs> yeah, we're we're hashing this out. <laughs> this is totally an on air conversation. It's a brainstorming ses- session. Spencer's gonna Spencer's gonna spend hours cutting this episode to make it <laughs> to make it not ridiculous. So after week two, everybody knows I stopped editing these things. <laughs> Week one, I think, took me like six hours to edit. I was like, I got to figure out how to do this better. And then basically every equipment purchase since then is to cut down on editing time. Yeah, yeah. You just realized <laughs> we're, we're just that good. We're just that good naturally. I do. Or, I will say. We're acceptable. I will say one thing about the baseball season. They did an awesome job putting this thing together. I mean, it the, the schedule is going to be fantastic. Uh, they're playing all the power fives, uh, you know, by the skin of their teeth. They have like a one game midweek with Duke. Uh, but they're, I mean, tons Which of super- is interesting after the super regionals last year and the, the kind of weird experience you had, like, it seemed like their coach was not a fan of playing in Lubbock. I don't know if, if their coach likes baseball. That's, that's <laughs> kind of how I, and I'm not going to lie. If you want a little bit of, if you want a little bit of anger, go read my, my non-conference schedule breakdown. Cause on Duke, I pretty much say in there that I hate him. Okay. That's the one, that's the guy that always stopped the game, right? Chris Pollock. Yeah. He slow rolled it out to the mound. Yeah, and yeah, I remember that because all cause the time we were there for, for that, that Friday game. Yeah, um, yeah we're. and anytime he he wanted to stop the game, he just like he, he'd call for time and then just like it was take thirty seconds to walk. You the, couldn't. I've never seen anyone walk that slow in a wedding. It was incredible. But the entire stadium was on him about it, too, oh, which yeah. I loved. Oh yeah. oh, yeah, you could hear it on the radio, or if it was on TV, you could always hear. it. He also spent a lot of time out ragging on officials. Um, and we heard through a through a friend who who would have been around and heard that uh, told us that the second base umpire in one of those games just flat out told a player he's not doing himself any favors you know, coming out and doing that stuff. So, I mean, there's a right and a wrong way in baseball. He's definitely not my preference when it comes down to it. No, he wasn't mine either. So, like I said, check in Dinger Derby starting end of January. Um, Go ahead and subscribe. Yeah, yeah get Twitter. subscribed. Yeah, get, give me, give get me something to look at on my statistics. That's right. Yeah, he's basing on every podcatcher out there. I don't know if we're on as many as he is. Um, I don't. I I, I kind of trust Podbean to put it where I want. No. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody grab that drop. <laughs> Where's that dump? Button? We need a producer. <laughs> <laughs> now back to our regularly. No, I'm kidding. Um, you know, I I, I kind of trust that when when I I hit 
published a pod being at, at the RSS feed on their end kind of works out. Keith has been doing all the, all the legwork and making sure that he's on everywhere. I was like, well, that's, that's a lot of effort I didn't go into. Well, really on my <laughs> hosting side, they're just a bunch of empty blanks. And so I really just the OCD in me wanted to fill those blanks in. So check, yeah, check, exactly. mark, check, mark. I found what I wanted to mention about, about the schedule. Five, all five power five conferences, 13 non-conference games are against power five teams. You've got four super regional teams and two college world series teams represented in your schedule. Tech's RPI is going to be strong all season long. I, I wanted to ask just a little bit about scheduling. I, I don't want to derail us or anything too much, but why are schedules so secretive? Well, that's a baseball? tadlock thing. That's is a tadlock it, thing. Is it strictly him? or? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I, I know they work really hard on it, and they're working current like, – like this season they're already working on 2021 and 2. Mm. Uh, and tadlock has teased saying, if you like this year's schedule, just wait till next year. You know, so And we've seen there's a – one thing has come out about 2021. I wrote about that in my last update. I'm calling it Omaha Harlington, but this uh, this it, it's an unbe- copyright that yeah it's an it's an unbelievable uh, slate that'll be played in the new Rangers ballpark, and it's I mean it's basically all College World Series teams, so that should be a, a pretty neat one. But uh, Te- I, I really think it was it's Tech Texas Arkansas. Yeah, I'm forgetting the other one. Yeah, but it's hard. Mississippi it, State maybe. I keep interrupting you. No, you're fine. That's that's good. They. I just don't have it up in front of me to remember what it was, but I, I really think it's Tadlock. He just likes to let it out late. And so I have kind of my ways. I had most of it pieced together. Uh, and then, so I was probably shy of just a few games when it, when it finally dropped, but it's kind of fun. It just gives you a little, makes you feel like a detective, but he d- really and truly Picking up some clues. Tech is one of the last every year to, to release their schedule. And it was kind of a surprise this year. It was kind of a, Hey, what if we did this today? And, and what I really think, and I have no idea if this is true, I feel like the athletic department, the communications office, probably comes to Coach Tadlock and says, you have to release this today so we can print season tickets. If you don't do it now, we're not going to meet our deadlines. You know? We won't have time. And I guess we'll just go ahead and release it out. <laughs> Tomorrow. <laughs> All right, so make sure you're subscribed to Dinger Derby. Follow Keith on, on the Twitter Make sure you're you're staying tuned to Staking the Plains for all of that great baseball coverage that is on the way. Um, let's talk a little about spring football before we get into basketball. Okay. Not not that there's like spring football currently happening, but I was there about are to say there are some the, some the goings updates. on of springtime. Yeah, so there were there were two early enrollees. I don't know if I remember reading about this. There's it's been a weird past few months in Staking the Plains where I haven't been able to keep up with it as much as I wanted to. There were two signees from the this most recent recruiting class. There were early enrollees. Both of them are on campus starting school this week. Offensive lineman Trevor Roberson, the 6'11 giant from Wellington, made it on campus. And then the, the high school tight end, Simon Gonzalez from Magnolia. Both are on campus. Big thing for, for Gonzalez to be here because of the, the importance of the tight end position with Yost and his offense to go ahead and get that rolling. Um, we saw in a post written by, by Seth today. So on staying the planes, if you go back, um, he, he made a comment about Dante Thompson, maybe not being the, the tight end of the future for Texas tech. So Gonzalez having time to be practicing with the team and, and, and getting some familiarity with the offense and everything may do him really well, especially, uh, have a foot up when, um, Travis Kuntz joins a team here in the summer, which is the jun- junior college guy, right? The six five. I, I didn't realize that Thompson, uh, Seth had it in here. He was targeted twice. 
He had a hundred percent catch percentage though. He was two for two. Right. He was targeted but he twice. Was only targeted twice, and it was like the whole late year. in games too. Right. It was not a integral part of the passing offense. Well, it was usually it. it I know one of them. I think was in the red zone, and he ended, he ended up with a, a kind of a big first down. It seemed like he he had a pretty good success rate for, like you said, it was one for one. But we're we're going to see a lot more of that. Seth had a great article that he posted today. Today's the fifteenth to the fifteenth, and uh, where he goes into uh, comparing what Yost is planning on versus what McVeigh does, and of course. You know, also pointing out the fact that Yost isn't copying McVeigh. Yost has been doing this for going on 17 or 18 years or so about running 11 personnel and moving that tight end just all around slot, uh, H-back, wide receiver, lining him up wherever. So you never know where he's going to be, not even what side of the field he's going to be. And just as a comparison, I think he said that the tight ends for – Utah State last year accounted for 13% of all receptions, mm-hmm. whereas the our tight end accounted Was for less than one one percent of all Texas Tech receptions. That that'll be a, a a definite game changer on there. And I think there was one play that Seth pointed out that I thought was was really neat, where the tight end actually pulled like a lineman, even though he was lined in the H position to block on a running play. And just Which is something you saw a lot with, with Baylor and then Oklahoma State the past few years, but maybe even did OU do stuff like that here and there? They play with more of like a like their tight end was more of a receiver tight end, and then they play with like a fullback. Okay, yeah, they have a they actually have a fullback back there. Okay, so and that's the other position I'm really interested to see what Yost does with the the, the roster because this past season Kingsbury and Kevin Johns. Um, kind of committed themselves to, to building up some some big men, some some fullbacks on the roster. So you've got like a Caleb Killian. Brother. Connor, Connor, Killian. Connor, Connor Killian. Killian. Connor. Sorry, Connor Killian, Caleb's brother. Yeah. Uh, Tyler Carr, Mason McCourse. It's a fantastic name. That's a good name. Um, all these fullbacks on the roster that now may be transitioning to a lineman or a tight end position. Um I don't think any of them are really the receivers that Yost may want out of them. So it's really interesting to see kind of where they, 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 they fall in the plan. Um, and then the other thing I want to touch on really quickly before we move on to basketball is the Patterson defense where we're going to be doing some kind of a, a good old X's and O's look at what that defense is going to look like. Um, the the three man front he's going to run and what, what that means, the four Oh four, Four I tight, what, what all all the different names, and we're gonna have that on on the on the site here pretty soon. Um, how how it defends the run really well, despite only having three guys on the line. Um, you, you've seen uh, Iowa State and Texas both utilize the same kind of front. Georgia has done it. LSU has done a little bit. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about that on staking the planes here pretty soon. I looked up Mason McCourse, just mm-hmm. curious to to see where he was from. So he's six four two thirty. That sounds exactly like what uh, Yost is looking for in his tight ends, and he's actually listed as a fullback tight end hybrid right now. So oh, that's what he's listed on the depth chart on the twenty nineteen depth chart. Yeah, or on the on the roster. On the roster. Yeah. So yeah. I I was pulling 
a roster together for the defense. I'm going to include some player projections. Like this guy will project to be this position because there's a couple new positions on this defense. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be the like three linebackers and like three safeties. So you're going to need to figure out like there's a defensive line linebacker hybrid position, which we're not too unfamiliar. I mean, that was a Tony Jones and Colin Hill both kind of played that position last year, but then you're going to have a linebacker safety hybrid that you had back with, um, Oh, what was his name? Patrick Willis. Dwayne Slay. No, no, it was, it was after it was a Tommy Tuberville <laughs> defensive coordinator. Oh, okay. Before Kaufman, before Glasgow. Why do you always talk about the dark days in all the sports? Okay, but hold on, though. If you compare... We're going to talk about Pat Knight when we get to basketball? Yeah, probably. <laughs> and uh, Chris Walker and <laughs> Billy Gillespie. Yeah, I was about to say, don't forget Gillespie. B- BGC? BCG? Billy Clyde. Um, Gosh, that's a great... That's that's another... Billy Clyde. And he's at Ranger College, isn't he? He is. Some like, little Juco Been here Been there in Texas. for a while. Yeah, I have a, I have, as you talked about tight ends, I did have a, a one thing I wanted to say about football. Yes. I have a little bit of a beef with the Maverick to Iceman thing. That's oh, going to be great, man. It's not going to happen <laughs> unless Alan Bowman is not your quarterback, which I'm not good with because that guy's a Juco transfer. Oh, you're right. You're yeah. right. Because there's, there's no way it, yeah, because he's going to be gone. Yeah. Iceman will be gone by the time Maverick gets up there. Yeah. And if Bowman, in if, theory, if Bowman starts for three more three more years, Maverick's going to be gone too. I'm just, I'm I, just saying. I think you're right. <laughs> I think you're right. As long I, as the, as long as uh, he can stay healthy, I don't see why he wouldn't be starting. Yeah. For for that duration of the time, and yeah, I don't think we're going to see a Maverick to Iceman. And, and were they really meant to work together anyway? No. No, it was just it just fits so well with Top Gun. No, that that's what I mean. They never. Oh, right. You mean in the movie that did they work? Yeah, there? in the movie no. they didn't. No, they're it's it's they arch were, enemies. Yeah, yeah. I mean they, well, they we, should they should until the very end. Right at the very end, and even then it was just could be he was, mowing he was reluctant. Yeah, yeah it, they never. You never <laughs> actually reluctant. saw them work together. <laughs> they didn't play sand volleyball on the same side. No, they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> they did. We need to watch this. They movie. did not oil each other up at all. They only oiled up each other's teammates. Save that. Or, or whatever that was. If we had a producer, we would be making the comment, we need to save that clip right there. Yeah. <laughs> that would be a yeah. Michael intro. That's good. <laughs> um, so the interesting thing about this all, all is that we're expecting to have a little bit more transparency into the program this spring, probably see a little more practices. There will be a, a road show. Uh, Wells is planned like a 10-city tour um, we're already seeing him out on the recruiting trail. This would be more for fans and boosters to see him. Um, and then also being able to see practices. So the defensive post I'm going to write here pretty soon, maybe in like a, a month or two, it's going to be, it's going to make me look really dumb, but nah, we're, we're going to throw it out there. Here's, be fine. here's something, sticks. here's something, you know, everybody's cynical, all sports fans, super cynical, always look for that zinger. And it's, and Wells came out and said, Hey, we're recruiting home. Like, we're going to own West Texas. That was his thing. And a lot of coaches, I feel like, then whatever they did next, their fans are going to rag them for it. Like, yeah, you said that. Then you went straight to Dallas or you went to whatever. Wells immediately said that and then spent an entire day going to every Lubbock ISD high school. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a pro move. And then right he was there. in the region first, and then he was in Dallas yep. today. Yep. Because you saw a, just an S-ton of <laughs> – Dallas area high school coaches say, hey, we really appreciate you coming by, Wells. 
Uh, there's a picture of the head coaches together. Um, there's Keller. There was um, the one in North Dallas, South Lake Carroll. Um, I think he was in Denton as well. At he, some point. he also just spoke at the at the ABCA also mm-hmm. in San Antonio. Yeah. They, he he hosted some some regional coaches at the Tech facility recently for some kind of convention. Um, and uh, is a point that we made several times on the podcast, and we I made it today in the Slack chat about he actually looks like the guys he's interacting with. He was in he, Grant. He was in khakis. He was the most dressed of any of the coaches he took a picture with. But he was in khakis and a Texas Tech pullover, whereas Kingsbury, when he, he rolled through and did stuff like this, was in like a navy suit and a with a carnation. And a carnation, yeah, really, really set himself apart. And especially I, when, so sorry, especially when he had his other like assistant coaches, with other him, coach who were, with him, who were in sweats and yeah, whatever. Yeah. He was still in a suit. We were talking about this at lunch last week, and mm-hmm. it just kind of I, the only thing I can think of is maybe it made an impression on on players, but. I think Keith, you've mentioned it too. Just on coaches, I, I don't think they're that impressed with someone rolling up with a tailored suit and yeah, I think you know five hundred dollars worth of clothes on. I, yeah, I don't think I don't think any any high school coach wants to feel like a D one coach rolled in and looked better, swaggier, more successful than them. Like you're walking into their domain, just be one of the guys. Right. You know, I feel like that's going to open more doors for you. I'm not in that fraternity. I don't know how they interact, but I would assume if you've paid your dues and you come in here and, and you respect a coach that you're going to have a good relationship, you know, I would think. And not to mention every one of those guys wants the opportunity to come work for Matt Wells at some point, I would, or for the most part. So they want to have good relationships there. But you can't, like you said, that's a good way to put it. You can't set yourself apart in those situations. It's one thing to impress recruits with, you know, with, with slick clothes like at Big 12 Media Days or something. but, but Or on like home visits. Sure. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I could, you know, a home but, visit. But I not, see. why would you do that going to a school? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense to me now. Yeah. The the other thing I, I like that you brought up too, Keith, was Matt Wells immediately gives you the sense that what he says, or when he says something, he means it. And then he acts upon it to show that he means it. Just the fact that he did go to uh, local schools immediately after saying that. And, and it's it's kind of, he's building trust already. Right. Where if he says something later on this year where we're going to change that by doing this or doing that, then mm-hmm. you can kind of just take him for his word. And I mean, it's not like we couldn't take Kingsbury for his word. He just never, he just never said anything to that or not never, but he seldom said something that he had to be held accountable to later. Yeah. Right. He, he was pretty closed off and pretty careful with how he worded things and just kind of answered questions. Yeah, never opened else opened him himself up to that sort of criticism. I think Matt Wells is a real "what you see is what you get" kind of guy. I think so too, and I'm sure that at some point we'll have some whether you like it or not kind right. of kind of things. But I respect that, and we may disagree with it. Yeah, you know, there may be something he says he's going to do, and he does, and we think, "Why'd you do that?" Right. <laughs> but you did what? But hopefully, it's not calling a timeout out of a timeout. Yeah, yeah, to, to get <laughs> or, a delay of game. Yeah. Your first offensive play of the game. Because that happened <laughs> this past season. It did. At least, at least once. No, it was – who maybe it was last season against Sam Houston State, but, like, they start with the ball first, and then you got it, and then, like, your first play, you called a timeout because you weren't ready. It was dumb. Okay, <laughs> we're going to talk about some basketball now. Um, 
So this, this is where I will disappear. <laughs> well, hold on though, because I think first we're going to talk about Chris Beard and his cultural fit. Okay, a lot like we were talking about with Kingsbury and Wells here. Um, these fireside chats have just genius. Yeah, it's he's owning social media right now. Like some of the big national media are picking up on him. It's like, dude, this guy. Oh, finally, really? I didn't know that. Seth Greenberg, like every time. Oh, that's like, great. He, he retweets it's like this dude is just a genius. It's a masterclass. Just the driest of dry humor, every time. And I always oh, want to yeah. know what book he's. He's always. It, it's it's not the same book. He has a book that he always has to turn to to see what his favorite song is. <laughs> Or, or some other wrote his notes, or some other note that he's missing. So yeah. I, I saw Chris Beard speak at the West Texas Home Builders Association at a lunch, um, and you know he was just dressed like a coach and just kind of a normal thing. And he walked up and he had literally written his notes on a napkin, and it wasn't for show. It was just all Chris Beard all the way. You know, like would you want it to be any other way? No, no I no. wouldn't. Um, so I, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was gonna say. So he had a fireside chat live tonight. Um, at eight o'clock, I, I didn't catch any of it. I was getting ready for this. I, I gave the the son a bath, had him ready. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet, but I haven't either. I will tell but you, they that went to Chimmy's. They did. <laughs> Chimmy's with one M. With How, one M. Where would what the logistics of that? I guess on the patio. I guess it's not very big. No, no. I mean, but it's, the it's, patio, the extended patio is pretty. That's kind of closed in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it actually has some tall ceilings. No, I mean outside. Like the outside yeah. patio that they've done in the front. Okay, in the front. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I got you. Not the side one. Yeah. No. I think I could and see that. Back in my day, Chimmy's didn't even have a there ceiling. There weren't no there patio. No, there weren't no ceiling outside. It was no. lattice, it was lattice work. Yes. And we threw we threw change through because Cornelius would dance for us and we would we would pass it along. Yeah. Those were yeah, and I remember seeing uh I, I remember being at Mesquite's. And just seeing the line at Chimmy's and just thinking, wow, that's a long line. Mm-hmm. Glad I'm sitting up here. I'm just sitting up here drinking ha- really cheap beer. Hanging on this tr- hanging on this tree. With like nine people. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that Chris Beard is putting on a master class on how to build a culture around a program. It's like a, I had a friend that said that he's going to start a cult if he's not careful. Like There will be a cult of personality around him. And what's going to happen the students will begin to love him and embrace him and all that kind of stuff. And they'll do something stupid and he will admonish them and they will listen. Yeah. They'll, they'll cuss at Trey young or kind of thing. That's stupid stuff. And he'll have cred with them to, for them to not do it. I saw Bob Knight do it. There were times that the place went bananas and they did something stupid. And I remember one time Bob Knight walked up in front of the fans in front of the students and, and said, just clap, you know, because they were, they were really going overboard and it all kind of settled down. Yeah. So, yeah. So that, that, there have been some talks in the past couple of days. There's some UT fans that, in 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 pure UT fashion, they they're calling for the firing of their head coach after they lost by two points on the road at Kansas, and everybody's up in arms. They like, should fire Shaka, and everybody's like, "Well, we should get Chris Beard." Culturally, though, like, how much more of a mismatch could that be? Yeah, I don't. It, I don't see the. I know he went to school there, but I don't see the fit. If he had something like like a fireside chat there, like there would be so many people like, what the hell is he doing? Or some of the things that he has goaded his players into saying would probably get him in trouble in a Me Too University <laughs> of Texas. I'm just saying. I mean, you just they're looking for reasons to be upset. That's how I look at, at UT. But, well, the the other thing too is just 
I think about just the cultural fit in general. The last time, because he pointed out, he, he brought up the story, and I can't remember what the name of the restaurant was, but he remembered what restaurant he was at, and he was, I think, a grad assistant or somehow involved on the coaching staff at Texas the last time, uh, or he was a student the last time that Tech won in Austin. And he was somewhere eating a chicken fried steak, and he watched it on TV. And I thought, well, that's West Texas right there. <laughs> if you're somewhere eating a chicken fried steak watching college basketball, and you still remember it, you probably remember the steak just as good as you do the meal, or I mean, just as good as the game, because that was in 96. It was. And, and he remembered that story and shared that after the game, so I thought, well, I, I don't I don't know of a lot of, I, I don't know if Tom Herman sits around eating chicken fried steak watching watching no, Big it, 12 contests. He's coming up with ways to goad you into a fight and then sue you for it. <laughs> okay, cool. I think one of my favorite tweets I've seen about Beard so far, I, I'm sorry, I don't remember who, who said it, but they said, can we just put up four statues of Chris Beard at each entrance to the USA? <laughs> one, of him, one of him coaching, one of him holding Whataburger, one of him floating the river, and I think the fourth one was like dancing or something. I mean, it was hilarious. So the, the, those, those post-game like locker room dance videos or something else yeah um the way he danced like he's like so emotional and like which is strange because you don't you're like and you see him in these fireside chats for example he's so deadpan right there's like there's very little reaction from him um he's telling jokes and not even like smiling himself but then like he's so intense in these videos these these dances it, it it's something else to watch um but speaking of though there was you mentioned it, Michael. There's some success this past weekend in Austin. There was Texas Tech took down the Longhorns in Austin for the first time in 22, 23 years, something like that. Sixty eight to sixty two. Fantastic game, at least later in the second half, um, where you did not allow Texas to really get any momentum before you you shut it down yourself. There was a lot of big, um, some t- timely threes. There were some some great uh, slam dunks there to, to kind of energize your own crowd that was there. There was that quite a, owned the Frank Irwin center. Yeah. There was a lot of red Raiders in Austin. A lot of Raider power. It's great. Um, tweet of the tweet of the game was from a long time beat writer. I think he was from the Austin American Statesman that said he had never seen a visiting crowd own the Irwin center the way red Raiders did. Yeah. He said he'd been covering, covering them for either. He said 30 years or over 30. I think years. It was over 30 years. And had not seen that. Well, welcome to Red Raider Nation. It's a fantastic with, game with a uh, with a solid basketball team. Yeah. So, one of the biggest things I think we're seeing in the past uh, the past maybe week or week and a half, you're starting to see a a second scoring um, person emerge, right? Finally. Besides Culver, this um, is good. Is this it is Brandon Francis? It's not. Brandon he hit Francis. one three, didn't he? It's, he was like one of eight. He, he hit one clutch, shot, didn't he? <laughs> he had clutch free throws at the end. I believe he did. He did. Okay, that's true. I think yes. he and Owens had some kind of some free throws that kind of sealed it at the very end. But no, so Mooney had it wasn't against it wasn't in Austin, I don't think. But he had twenty points. He had Mooney had twenty in Austin. Okay, so it was that, and then Moretti hit. Um, just Mooney some had twenty two. Twenty two. Moretti had a big game against OU. Is that not? Am I right? Yes. Something, also, something bunnies. No, no, no! It was, it was he hit threes. <laughs> it wasn't bunnies. It was threes. Oh, okay. Um, 
he did it against West Virginia and Texas where he – or sorry, I can't remember how many times he's done it now, but he gets fouled shooting a three, makes the three and the and, and the free throw. I think he started a game with that four-point play. Well, so he started a game uh, was Oklahoma against where he, OU. Hit two, he hit two in a row. Oh, maybe that was it. And then he got fouled. I think it was West Virginia and then again this past weekend against Texas. Um the bar has, has has coined him the king of the four point play. Any 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 thoughts? Sorry. No, no. I I'm, <laughs> I'm I look glad. around. You're both like in your computers. Like oh. I man. mean, I don't know if you would talk about basketball or just make fun of the bar. No. I mean, either way. <laughs> well, Actually, I'm in one way. <laughs> <laughs> Before we we get too far from it, Labar Chimmy's is spelled with one M, not two. We know who hasn't been there. Which is ironic. Also, uh, apparently, Brandon Francis wasn't there. That was what I was talking about. Oh, too. Because <laughs> in the in, in the the fireside chat, uh, they're they promoting this this live fire this live fireside chat. Um, and he asked Fran- Brandon Francis, like, "Hey, B, have you ever been to Chimmy's?" He said, "No, sir." He's like, "Good work." <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to avoid. Um, Hats off to being able to avoid it. So, stronger man than I. Yeah. <laughs> With the win on Saturday, Texas Tech is now 15-1, 4-0 conference uh, record. Sitting alone in first place in the Big 12 Conference. Hey, real quick, y'all remember that time that someone picked us to win to be seventh? <laughs> that wasn't that long ago, Mark. I think it was a preseason poll that Texas Tech was picked seventh. And West by God, Virginia was like three or four, and they just got boat truck trucked or whatever. Motorboated. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it probably blew out everybody's ears. They got houseboated by boat, boat truck TCU tonight. Last I saw, it was ninety-two to sixty. Good Lord, West Virginia, what are you doing? They're zero and five in Big Twelve play. But anyway, I just wanted to bring that up. I'll probably bring that up every week from now on. Just kind of check in on that preseason poll. I don't even think it was a poll. It was just a no a it, blurb. It was like a like a preseason media. Yeah, it's terrible. It was way off. Ninety-eight to sixty-seven. Ooh. It's a 31-point loss. They were down 48-28 at halftime. That was the most points TCU had scored all season in the first half. Was this in Fort Worth? Yes, I think so. Okay. I think so, yeah. I bet Huggy Bear is mad. So TCU scored 48 points in the first half, scored 50 in the second. Ouch. That's a lot of points. That's 100 points against West Virginia defense. Yeah. His guards. What was he? He said about his guards. They're not playing. He 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 said a lot of things. Kind of like really weird comment for a coach to make about his own players. Don't. He said something about them making bad mistakes or bad cuts or bad. I don't know. He he got really specific on how poorly that his guards were playing. Yeah. Which which I thought was not the not the greatest not the greatest coaching move right there. I I know sometimes you've got a criticism works for some players and, and kind of drives you and motivates you a little bit, but maybe, maybe not publicly so much. I don't, I don't care. I don't care if they lose every other game they play. I doesn't bother. I don't want to steal Spencer's chance to talk about Pat Knight, but does anyone remember when he went to Lamar and he stood in a press conference and called out his players by name and how terrible they were? No, no, but I I do remember calling himself out and says, if I don't make it to the tournament, I should be fired. And guess what? He missed both tournaments. Like, all right, man, I, I I gotta get fired. I think he's a scout now. I think he's a pro scout, like a regional. Who would give pro scout? Pat, we're gonna have you come in here 
Come and close the door. We're just going to watch this video and then have you sign some papers. <laughs> What's the video? Oh, it's oh, it's me. Oh, it's me saying I should be fired. I okay. should be fired. I get I'll, it. Okay. I get it now. I'll, I'll go. I'll clean out my locker. Um, I'll clean out my locker. <laughs> the Sorry, I'm back to the conference standings just for a second. We had mentioned the that Kansas had just beat um, Texas last night. They are now 15-2, and 4-1. Uh, then you have Oklahoma, Kansas State, Iowa State with the win tonight. I think TCU moves up somewhere in that three to four range. They were in ninth place, but being so early in the conference, they were they're one and two in conference. Now they're two and two, but their overall record is now thirteen and three. So that puts them up there, probably tied for third. If I'm looking at this right, anyways. It's Kansas State, Iowa State, who you will be hosting uh, tomorrow night. Baylor, Texas, who keeps on sliding. Oklahoma State, and then West Virginia. Down there at under 500, 8 and 9, 0 oh and 5 in conference. It's beautiful. I love to see that. I'm pretty happy about that, too. So, uh, all, these, all these wins that you're getting on the road are really helping set up some. Like a great conference run for you. You've got all these teams at home. Granted, just because you beat them on the road doesn't mean you're going to beat them at home. Just because you win all these games on the road doesn't mean you're going to win everything at home. But the more games you win on the road, I think if they were to if they win one more road game, they will match or pass their road record from last season. And we're only five. Sorry, if they beat Baylor on the road this weekend, they will have passed or matched the the road record from last season six games in yeah that was kind of the one knock you could have last year on on that team Uh, there's a lot of close road losses right and you know you're remembering at this point in the season i think tech had lost zach smith and then Mm -hmm. not too long after that keenan evans was playing on nine toes nine (laughs) functional toes Uh, none of us knew that but we knew something wasn't right uh but they they still held their own and, and, and did what it took to get to the tournament and made a, made a great stand there. Uh, I, I just think that was the only thing people could really catch Beard on last year was for, uh, for his record on road games. And I think a lot of the reason that that's going to improve this year and already has is just because of the defense. Yeah, you're still leading the country in defensive efficiency. Um, yes, there are – four or five other Big 12 teams that are in the top 10 with you, which means every game is going to be a struggle. West Virginia is not in that that realm. Um, upcoming schedule, like I said, you're home this week, uh, welcoming the students back against I- Iowa State. There have been a lot of um, promos, and the I-, I-, I keep mentioning this, the fireside chat last night from, from Beer doing all these things for students. There's like a... Like a drawing for to cover books oh, for great. students um it's like tens of thousands of dollars <laughs> it, it very well could be i saw i saw some i don't i have no idea what this was totally off topic but it fits to that someone had like i saw someone stole like ten thousand dollars worth of books from a campus bookstore and the first comment on the story was i hope i get i hope they get both the books back <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was already thinking yeah. wow that that was a just one backpack, I guess. And I'm, I'm trying to remember. I'm, I'm sitting over here Googling, and I can't find it. Um, 
somebody tweeted after the OU win, and I and I don't remember the exact number, but I want to say Chris Beard's record at the at the USA is like sixty two and five or something like that in his time. Like the home record is outstanding. And one in, of those losses was to Kansas, right? Of course, last year. Yeah. I think he's undefeated against uh, non-conference. All of those five losses have been conference foes over the two into his third season. And I'm I'm just randomly pulling that number. I don't remember the exact, but it was something in that range that it, it's impressive. Yes, absolutely impressive. So Cam Lard is supposedly going to be available for Iowa State to be joining rejoining the team. Um, hasn't been a huge contributor yet, but one of those players they lost early that everybody kind of figured would be kind of a big blow to them. Um, Iowa State started off 2-0 and in Big 12 play. They beat Oklahoma State kind of expectedly, and then Kansas, and it, it was that game where they won them by 17 or something. Oh, yeah. It was a big big win. And then, like, head-scratcher, they, they, they've lost to both Baylor and Kansas State. And they, Granted, they're a combined four points between those two games, but... Um, you know, as as Iowa State is competing to be in the top of the the Big Twelve Conference, losing to, to Baylor and Kansas State make things difficult on themselves. Um, I don't know who to give credit here for the stats, but I'm going to go ahead and read them off. I don't know if it was oh Michael, yeah, you can go ahead. Here, you want to <laughs> no, because tell us about their their scoring <laughs> leaders here. That was well, a very proud hand raise. Yes, it was very good. <laughs> it was me. They, uh, Iowa State, you know, Tech's going to have their work cut out for them on defense. They've got four guys who can really score. Uh, I'm going to butcher their names, but Shayok. That's how we do. Is their leading scorer, 19.4 a game. Jacobson coming in next with 13.6. Uh, Horton Tucker with 12.3. Wigginton with 11.7. And then Nick Babb with 9.6. So you've got four guys ultimately who could get into double digits just about at any point, whereas Tech only has three in that category, and y'all know they're Culver, Mooney, and Moretti. Uh, and, and those guys can go, you know, guys not named Culver can be a little bit cold here and there. Uh, but Tech's got uh, – they've got to be able to slow Shayok down especially and try to just be a presence in the lane. I think they'll be able to do that. I think uh, Odiase – has he's kind of underrated in his ability to protect the rim. I think he does a good job of that. I think the offense does slow down when he's in there a little bit. Of course, Owens is fantastic at that. And if we can get some more performances like we've seen from Mooney and Moretti, and which you know a lot of people are arguing that that may have been Mooney's best game, including his his previous ten, his previous tenure uh, before coming to Tech uh, in Austin that Tech should be able to take care of business against Iowa State. They are currently uh, favored. There's a minus six for Texas Tech, the current line, or at least it was this afternoon. Um, you're talking about being able to slow down Iowa State. The The conference game against Texas was the first time Texas Tech has given up more than 60 points. They gave, well, Sorry, in conference play. They gave up 62 to Texas. 59 to Oklahoma, 57 to Kansas State, 59 to West Virginia. So very like all four of those games, you know, are within three points. Right. Like you're giving up 60 points, right? Or just under, excuse me. Um, You feel pretty good. If you're holding a team to 60 points, you're going to win that game. 
you have a very good chance of it at least. Yeah. I mean, even as much as your offense seems to struggle, 60 points is kind of a low bar to pass. I mean, you've, you've done it obviously very, very narrowly in some of these games, but you feel pretty good about that. Um, excited to see the, the atmosphere in the arena tomorrow night with the students. And then they go on the road to Baylor this weekend. Um, just throw out that, that cliche. It's hard to win on the road, even against Baylor, bottom of the conference teams. <laughs> yeah. Well, just as I was Even against West Virginia. Even against West Virginia. You, you beat them by three. I uh, I was looking on Twitter to see. There was a couple things I wanted to do, a couple player updates that I saw today. Carlos Silva from the Lubbock Avalanche Journal tweeted a couple things. But as I was looking, uh, he went to Chimmy's tonight, and it was packed to the absolute gills, and he had some shots of Coach Beard signing autographs and handing out well, those fire. are those apparently are different kind fire, of shots. Apparently, there's fireside chat koozies. Yeah, that, that were being there. that were being provided. But um, two two updates that he got today that he tweeted out. Uh, Deshaun Corpru, he only had four minutes against Texas. Uh, Coach Beard said he's kind of day to day. He's got a calf strain, and they expected him to practice today, but they were taking it easy on him. And then on Kayvon Moore, everyone keeps asking, and Coach Beard had called him day to day, and no one really understood what that meant. And he said, still trying to get him to the point where I think he could help the team. So he's fully released to practice. He's just kind of day-to-day, I guess, is the fairest way to say it. So day-to-day, they're assessing him and trying to get him up to the speed of the college game, I think. you. My, my question would be, with Corpru being out, does that day-to-day, is that threshold a little bit lower to get a guy like more into the game? I think when or you have an eight-man at- rotation, it has to be. Well, without with Corpru, Corpru. Well, I say without Corpru, he's down to seven. Yeah. So you're looking at, you know, just two guys off the bench. Um, you know, there's not much depth there. Obviously, that's what I'm no, trying to say. I, I think, I think that kind of gets a little bit more urgent to to try to get him involved a little bit. But we'll see. I mean, maybe maybe he runs with seven guys, which makes me nervous. Makes a me bit. a little nervous too. We, we've seen um, – I can't remember which game it was, but there was oh, – it was last week against Texas or the week – sorry, this past weekend or last week um, against Oklahoma. There was – Culver was visibly fatigued at the end of the game. Like everything was still going through him, but it wasn't as effective because he was so worn out from playing some obscene amount of minutes. You, you need more than seven guys rotating, right? That's that's not a – that's not a – sustainable rotation. Well, especially if your calling card is defense. You can't have guys who are winded playing defense. That's just not going to translate. You might could get by with it on offense a little bit, but defense you have to anticipate and you have to be ready for anything and be able to fight through a screen, whereas offense you can kind of control the tempo and dictate things a little bit, whereas on defense you don't have that luxury. You've, you need to be ready. At any time, so if if you got guys winded on on defense, they're all going to look like James Harden out there, like they're going to grow beards. <laughs> I don't understand this reference. I don't watch the NBA. He doesn't play defense. Okay. Also, no, like not he, very effectively. Apparently, he's he's pretty bad at traveling when he does a step back to take a three. Because I saw this on on the Twitter. Ooh. Uh, Steph Curry like did his move the the Harden like double step back and then got called for a travel he's and he, like he held up like Harden's number he's like I just do what he does well that's crazy that's crazy that Curry is not getting the same treatment that 
James Harden is. James Harden, I saw. I happened to see this today. I know. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. We'll come right back to the to what we actually are supposed to talk about. He's averaged over 40 game, 40 points per game in the last 19 games. There's only been one other player who's done that, and it's Kobe Bryant to average over 40 points in a 19 game span. It's nuts. He's on a pretty good little clip. I think he had 50 something points it. on his last. Yeah, he, he, on his last outing, he put like almost 60 against uh, the Mavericks. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. I okay. See that. Just just want to throw that out. There. All right, we we need to get to some questions because we are at the end of our time and we haven't even started questions yet. Okay. This a two parter? No. Oh no, we're just we're we're going straight there. We stopped stop doing that. That requires more editing, Michael. Come on. Yeah, we can't. We don't have time for that. <laughs> Now, I'm not sure who to address this question to because it was submitted by Dinger Derby. <laughs> like, friend of friend like, of the show. Like the other one? Like the original Dinger Derby? No, Dinger underscore Derby. Oh, okay. Question number one, who is Keith B. Patrick? Well, now you know. <laughs> question answered. I was, just Next. Trying to, you know, I was just trying to get the questions rolling for you what, guys. And you did. You Thank really you. did. Thank you. Um, Cooper Burnett does. I'm sure my 40 followers or 30 <laughs> followers really popped in there. Most of them are you guys. Um, well, w- when you tag other other accounts, you're, you're queuing into their, their, their sphere, their yeah, social I, influence. I got it. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I put Kylie Jenner on all of my tweets. That's, Perfect. Well, yeah. especially with that eye-catching logo. Where did you get such a logo? Well, other friend of the show. Has Brian ever been on the show? Yeah, he has. Oh, okay, so Brian Don Carlos, I asked him way back when I had this idea, and uh, we went through many iterations, but uh, landed landed there with a, a logo. I'm a big fan of the administration building. I'm a super nerd. I collect Texas Tech uh, postcards from the 20s, 30s, 40s, whatever, and I have a ton that are the administration building. So he brought me that idea, and I thought that was super cool. So the logo, you'll see it on Twitter, but it's got a tower. It's got a little baseball on top, you know, one of the admin towers. I just uh, He did an awesome job. It's Brian fantastic Boston work. Yep. Yeah. How did and I, I, not I notice, appreciate the work he put into it because it's cool. I didn't cool. notice the baseball on the top. Yeah, and a friend, of mine, really a friend cool. of mine kind of made fun of that, and I'm like, you need to go look at an admin tower because there is this round it's like a dome artichokey thing on the top that uh, well it has these little scale looking deals on it you know so it was it was a cool tie in for the baseball cool I like that so I am Keith Patrick <laughs> thank you Dinger, Dinger Derby for your question and thanks for joining us thanks for having me yeah. yeah Cooper Burnett does Cliff draft Kyler well they'd have to trade oh I already forgot Josh Rosen. Rosen they'd have to trade Rosen to do that I'd imagine I I don't I don't think so. I don't think so either. I don't, they need defense. But did he back himself in the corner when he said that if he could draft Kyler, he would? No. In no. September, whatever that was. It was in October. No, it was funny because uh, the guys on on the podcast ain't played nobody. Connolly and Stephen Godfrey talked about this too. And uh, one, I mean, come on, it's an offhand remark about a guy that you're about to play, you know. <laughs> And that's going to run all over no, you. No, he has to be held accountable to that. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then uh, the other we thing. Demand. I mean, really, it, what translates? You know, d- does his height, does he have height trouble? Do the skills translate? I mean, now you're sitting in a room with a whole lot more analysis looking at a player like that. I'm curious. But I would think, what's your tradeability? I mean, in that, in that situation, can you get some more first-round picks and get some defensive players? Because that's what they need. And they need a wide receiver because Larry Fitzgerald is 113 years old. May not play this season. Yeah. Was it you that had said that the value for that first round, like he could drop down to like the fourth pick and then get like 
just an absolutely crap ton. Yeah, there was picks. there was a guy uh, there was a guy who posted a possible scenario where the Oakland Raiders traded traded for him, which traded for the first pick, just uh-huh. just just the first I feel pick. Like this in is general. about to be a draft day scenario. Well, and I was, love it. It was uh, I think you got two or three picks in this draft, and then two more in the next. One in in twenty twenty so and one up in twenty nineteen, like, like the number four first round pick. I think you got an, an additional second round pick this year, and then maybe a third, a third, and then you got two in the next year's draft. Yeah, then you got two. No, one in twenty twenty and one in twenty nineteen. I mean, I think using the leverage that or would be the smart 21. thing to do for sure. Yeah, and I, I, I think Rose. I, I mean, I don't know. I you feel like Kingsbury would go there if he felt good about the situation as was as it was, as opposed to, Oh, well I'm going to go there just so I can get that number one draft pick and, yeah. and do something. I hope he felt <clears throat> confident with Rosen and I, I'm, I'm thinking he probably did. I would think so. Yeah. I, I kind of, I don't, I don't see him trading, uh, trading up for Murray and, and Murray's not even predicted to go number one or, I mean, he's, he's predicted in the first round, but I was watching Todd, Todd, Todd today. And, <laughs> <laughs> and they, he uh, he just had him predicted his first round, and he said maybe top ten, but he was uh, officially funny. measured today by the guys at, at OU as uh, five nine and a half. Good gravy, that's short. I had no idea who's that short. I uh, yeah, I don't know. He's so fast though, <laughs> so quick. I mean, but at any moment, if he does, if somebody he does, I mean, it could be a team that he doesn't want to play for. They could draft him, you know, tenth overall, and he could say, "Just kidding! I'm. Thanks for wasting your draft pick. I'm, I'm going to go, go play, play for the A's." Yeah, and uh, the word is that he wants fifteen million dollars to go play baseball, and so I don't think the A's were crowded to do that. But there's been plenty of teams that have ponied up crazy money for you know for for draft pick guys. And I'll tell you, I watched Kyler Murray play twice at Dan Law Field, and I never saw anything that exciting. He la- <laughs> he laughed at our heckles when he was on first base. You know, I I appreciated that about him. As we made fun of his own first base coach, but I, I don't know. Little known fact: when standing on first base, Kyler Murray is five eleven. <laughs> also, little known fact: Kyler Murray folds his baseball pants above the knee like they're football pants, which looks real silly in baseball. <laughs> Just saying. That's it. I didn't even know you could do that. Yeah, I don't know. It's like super tight. They like seem right too tight. His... Yeah, <laughs> seems like it cut off circulation or something. It's a health issue. Who are y'all's Big 12 baseball predicted champion, contenders, pretenders, dark horse? So there's four here. Champion. Oh, man. You gave me no prep for this. <laughs> we didn't just spend well, like an hour talking about baseball. I know, but I haven't looked at the conference much yet. I think that, um, well, first of all, I will say the Big 12 conference was number two in the D1 baseball preseason top 25. They had five teams in the top 25. The SEC had eight. Uh, now five of those SEC teams were like in the top 10. Um, I will say that TCU is always a team to be worried about in the Big 12. Uh, West Virginia is – they need to turn a corner. You know, it's kind of – the time has come for them. They should be doing a little bit more. So there's kind of always that that feeling with them. And I think Texas will probably reload. Uh, Oklahoma State's always a dangerous team. They're getting a new stadium or a new ballpark. So that'll be – not that that changes how they play, but that's interesting to see. Um, but those would be – I mean, you're always looking at – at Tech, Texas, Oklahoma State right now. Baylor is projected to be better than they have been. Uh, I never think the Kansases are going to do a whole lot in baseball. 
can we put up 75 more runs against Kansas State this season, please? <laughs> that was so much fun. It really pads it. It was. So, <laughs> so we, we were there for two of those games, and it was like as much fun as a blowout could be. Like, I just enjoyed myself being there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, thir- just thoroughly enjoyed it. It was a I nice mean, day, too. Well, it was kind of chilly. It was chilly. It was windy, but we, we yeah. also walked from there to go watch the spring game. So, yeah. Pretty good day. I know I'm not going super in depth. I would be surprised if Texas Tech wasn't really heavily playing for a, for a Big Twelve title. I don't think they're ever going to play hard for a conference tournament title because that's not the baseball they want to play. They want to go to the College World Series. But I think that the regular season title, unless things just start falling apart or you're not finding answers, I think that they should be loaded. And D1 baseball has not been has not shied away from using the words national championship with that team. Uh, after College World Series last year, they said that, that it was only a matter of time before Texas Tech was in that position. Uh, and in their, when they did their deep dive into the top teams as they have kind of gone down the list since releasing their top 25 a couple days ago, uh, they mentioned that at the, end of the, at the end of the program. I mean, if John McMillan is the ace he could be with the power he has or with the, uh, with the, the velocity he has, that kind of stuff, then all of a sudden Texas Tech could be in a, a real serious situation. So... I know I'm a the ultimate homer, but I think Tech should be at the top of the conference. Texas will be a contender to fight with in Oklahoma State as well. But I don't see a whole lot changing. Uh, TCU will not be as down as they were last year, I wouldn't think. So, sorry, I'm not giving you any particulars, player names, or anything else. It's I mean, you, you didn't list like the champion, so you're going to say Texas Tech there. I'll say Texas Tech. Contenders in that group of Texas, TCU, Oklahoma State. I think Texas, Oklahoma State, TCU, probably in that order. Maybe Oklahoma State a little bit. Pretenders, you you put the Kansas schools there. I put Baylor and West Virginia as pretenders. Who would be your dark horse? Uh, okay, I'd say Baylor would probably be a dark horse. Okay. Um, West Virginia pretender. I mean, the Kansas schools don't even pretend. <laughs> <laughs> And Iowa State is just a whipping boy because they don't have baseball. Idiots. Which is really unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. How do you not have baseball? You're Iowa. You're Iowa. Yeah. Is this heaven? No. No. It's, Ames. it's Iowa State. <laughs> <laughs> it's Ames. What sport are you playing? <clears throat> Nicholas Tam, for future reference, Tech should spark a deal. This is, this is an opinion, and then he wants us to, to reflect on this. Tech should spark a deal with Okie State to have annual football games in either Houston or Jerry World during Thanksgiving weekend would bring more fans. What do you think? Nicholas, I saw someone reply to you on Twitter and say pass. And I almost replied and then decided to wait for the podcast. I'm going to reply and say hard pass. So I am generally never in favor of neutral site games. Yeah. I'm actually really glad that Texas tech and Baylor are going back to the con. Uh, I agree. Home and home campus. God, yeah. the campus. Yeah. At least for one a one and one. We'll see. Here's that the thing. I, mean, on. I, I don't think I don't think campus games Thanksgiving weekend are a good idea. I don't, I don't think you, I don't think anybody should really be scheduling games. I think it should be like almost a a, a buy for the the conference. You you get the Texas game, which they yeah, always have, which is fine. The 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 classic play like a Texas. I think Texas A and M should be playing, and, I, and but like USC Notre Dame a lot of times on that weekend. You know, I'm good with that. But schools like Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, mm-hmm. that you have a lot of. Your student base is coming from outside of your city. Right. Should not be playing a home game on that weekend. Right. But if your student, if your base is coming from other cities, and I I understand that Texas Tech has a lot of fans and students in the Metroplex, that also doesn't necessarily translate into them coming to Jerry World 
to watch a game on Thanksgiving either. Sure. So I don't know what the attendance has been at Baylor. It's been so bad. The I past mean, few I, years. I I went once and it was reasonable, you know, but I, I just don't like those games. Here, here's the deal: I'm a big Chamber of Commerce guy. I think home games in Lubbock, Mr. Texas, Chairman. are important. Home games in Lubbock, Texas are important for the local economy. I think that's one. Two, like the SEC playing all these games in Jerry World, I think it's silly. It doesn't it doesn't make sense for tech for A and M and Arkansas to meet in Dallas and play. I like the idea. I get it. Tech wanting to play in a recruiting base once in a while, but I just don't, I don't like it. I like the pageantry of college football and the stadium and the home fans and tailgating and all that is a part of it. Pop quiz. Which city is closer to Houston, Stillwater or Lubbock? I'm going to say Stillwater. I will too. By 25 miles. Stillwater is 505 miles from Houston and Lubbock was 530. So So you're, you're, you're looking at getting students traveling round trip 16 hours to go to Houston if they're trying to go to a neutral game on Thanksgiving weekend. It doesn't make sense why you would go like out of your way from like between the schools to go like neutral. You side. drive through Dallas you know where to they get should from play? Stillwater to Houston. If they want to do it, they should play somewhere ridiculous like Sweetwater. Like let's go play at the oh, Mustang Bowl. Oh, the Mustang Bowl. Bowl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm all about that. <laughs> North I-20. <laughs> <laughs> get those spurs and let's go go play it like abilene christian or well or, or or play it uh well abilene christian's gonna have that new stadium that seats i think nine thousand. Oh my gosh <laughs> students can fill that um nine thousand did oh you my, hear that i did for football yeah i have not heard that i actually is, I, it's I, I'm, I'm gonna double check is lyle leong like still coaching there he used to coach at my high school. He used to coach. Yeah, he was or his dad one. did. Sorry, his dad did. Let me let me look up Wildcat Stadium. Oh, what what are we? What are we so not playing on Thanksgiving. I, I would much rather you see Tech playing the first weekend of December. Um, I I think that's when the conference championship game is now, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah. Before before you had the conference championship game. It seemed like basically everybody in the conference was playing on that last weekend so the Big 12 could stay relevant. Texas Tech never played that weekend because they always had that that Thanksgiving weekend yeah. nonsense. 12,000 capacity. Oh, my gosh. We should go. We, should smaller than the USA. we play ACU in a few years, but it's not in Abilene. No, we should do home and home. We're oh. <laughs> so great. Speaking of ridiculous arenas or stadiums or whatever, I, we didn't mention when we were talking about UT, they're building a new basketball arena. A to smaller replace, one. Yeah, to replace the Frank Irwin Center, which I'm a little bit sad about because I grew up in Austin until sixth grade, and I used to watch the, the Ringling Brothers Barnum and Bailey Circus at the Frank Irwin Center. I have fond memories. I choked in a Taco Bell down the street <laughs> from there. So I remember that. But Haven't we all? So they're building a new arena. It's a $338 million basketball arena. And would you like to venture a guess how much the University of Texas will be paying for that? How much of that they will pay? Oh, gosh. We're, we're talking like less than 10% maybe? Zero dollars. They are paying zero dollars. And no, it's not being funded by the public. For those of you that are thinking it's going to be taxes, a private group is building their arena in exchange for all rights. So they will sell their own naming rights. They will sell all concessions and all the management, all that. They'll build the arena, turn it over to Texas, and then get all revenue from the arena. What if it's a group of, uh, of Texas Tech alumni and they just they just <laughs> are trying to call it Red Raider Arena? 
I like that. South. That's the whole point. Like, oh, this is Texas worth South. it. Yeah, I'm just wondering. Ten years down the road, it's the double eagle guys, and they're like, we're just we're just gonna do this. I'm wondering if ten years down the road, somebody doesn't audit them and say, why did you give away all of this revenue? Uh, no reason. Yeah. Oh, just didn't want to have to hire that guy to run it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no reason. It's a write-off. We're fine. Yeah. Don't so worry keep keep drilling out in the Permian on university lands. We're fine. What grade would you give the tech athletics department right now? I, I'm not sure Like, if he's talking about coaching hires, if he's talking about performance on the field court, on the field of play. Field court, ball unit, basket. Touchdown. Sorry. Same difference. I replied to that one not realizing it was a question for the podcast, and I asked if 11D was, a, was an option because it's legit. I think they're doing like. a pretty – I think Kirby Hocutt and by extension the department's doing a pretty solid job. <laughs> Spencer just announced his like as he – I'm gonna I'm gonna do it too. Like, Thank no, I, I think so. Too. What what did what was he your actual score just now? Eleven D. Eleven. That's Three. solid. <laughs> Texas with a dollar sign. <laughs> that popped up somewhere. That popped up somewhere on something my wife was reading the other day, and. I said, oh, that's from an SNL skit because she didn't recognize it. And then it was like three comments down. Someone else was like, oh, that's from that. S-. Yeah, I said, nothing yeah. nothing will get me laughing with tears in my eyes like those old SNL celebrity jeopardy. Celebrity jeopardy. Yeah. yeah. Suck it, Trebek. <laughs> Peter but, Puente. But yes, Sorry, for real. Fine. I mean, on the serious, I think they're doing a fantastic job. I mean, yes. And I know that that's, you know, a homer and all that stuff, but I'm an alum and I can be critical and I can complain. I complained in my last write up about not having a reserve seat at the, at Dan law field, you know, cause I have GA tickets and I can't, I can't step up cause everybody keeps buying theirs. But I mean, all in all, they're doing things to improve our experiences as fans. They're doing things to buy, hire great coaches. They're giving good contracts to coaches that deserve them. I mean, there are always their mistakes you can talk about, but I think they're doing a pretty good job. Well, the, the facilities, the way they're managing the money, the way they're, uh, getting money, getting gifts, uh, making all these improvements for the student athletes and possibly even a little bit more. Uh, I think that they're going to do a what a student housing center where the Coliseum currently is. That's that's I think that's kind of the leading plan. That, yeah, I don't think that's been decided on for sure, but that's mm-hmm. one of the – And that dorm – if they did build a dorm, it can only be 49% athletes by NCAA rules. Okay. But it would get athletes – more concentrated and closer to facilities. Sure. So that would make sense. So I, I think that's, I mean, just what they're trying to do to cater to the, to the kids who come to tech to work really hard. And, uh, you know, sometimes they're in sports that don't get a lot of notoriety and a lot of press and, right. you know, TV cameras everywhere. You know, these, these kids are, are still working really hard and, and putting in the work both scholastically and on the field or the court. So I, I think they're doing an excellent job and hopefully – you know, this will be another good hire. Mm-hmm. I, it's, it's a little early for Stallings, but she's done really well for the mm-hmm. women's basketball team. I first, think, first non-conference road win in like three or four years, yeah. maybe more. I, I think, I think that's really going to prove to be a good hire in a few years. It's, mm-hmm. it, I just don't want to call it right now, but uh, definitely a, an improvement, a, a jump, an improvement from the the team last year. Yeah, you've got a, a dining facility being built. You've got the basketball facility incoming, which, to their credit, has given Chris Beard a lot of input in, and it has increased in size and amenities based on his input, which I think is positive. If there was one critique or, or question I would have, it's like, how much debt are they carrying? 
right? And and how how what does that look like? I know their debt service is getting pretty big. It's like twelve million dollars a year that they're that they're paying. So I'm just curious how that how sustainable that is, because I do remember a way old day, long time ago. There was a facility plan like a parking garage, and they voted it down because they didn't want to take on the debt, and they had made some kind of a like a commitment to to not take on debt as a department. And so I'm wondering, because you had a lot, I mean, you had a big construction boom there with the Jones and some of that. So, Oh, huge. Yeah. Back know, in the mid or, to late to 2010s or. Well, in the early 2000s and then on. And yeah, yeah, there's just, so I'm just curious, how long are you going to continue? How long can you continue building and growing? When do you have to kind of settle into what you have and pay off, pay off the bills for a little while? Yeah. That, that's my, that's been my gripe too, a little bit with the South end zone. I, I'm not quite sure if we need that right now aside from to sell the suites. Yeah. But it it's not up to me to decide. That might be the one thing I kind of am not am not super fond of at the moment. That's it. One more thing on the facilities really quickly. And you both outdate me here as as your fandom for Texas Tech but old older. <laughs> I mean, I I I've I've shared that my my first experience with Texas Tech as a football fan was 2007 mm-hmm. as a freshman. Um, and you, you both were there. It, it's still so weird to like to think back going to a game in, in 2007, like on the East side with the students and there not be a building behind you. Right. Like th- there wasn't like East side club. I seats. still remember the tree, the tree, like in the Northwest end zone where you had that like one really weird section of like bleachers. You didn't have the, the two sections that were added up there. My, yeah. my freshman year was Oh one. So they, Following that season, they tore down the old press box. So I remember the old white press box with the red Texas Tech on it, and the uh, and there was no East Side building, like you said. We had the, the small, the small uh, jumbotron that's now at the baseball uh, field and, and things like that. But we were just a what two years removed from the tearing down the goalposts in '99 against A and M. And from what the students all told us, they walked those up the East Side stands and dropped them off the back. Oh my stadium. gosh! And then went out and got them and marched them around town and dumped them in the fountain. So, to think of that, <laughs> that now, that would have been something. <laughs> to think of that now, and not only a building there, but what's down there now, yeah, is, is a whole different ball game. Yeah. All right, Peter Puente with Coach Beard turning the men's program into a force. Is Tech now considered a basketball school? I know we aren't we aren't Kansas, but football has been down and baseball doesn't get the spotlight. Would Tech fans be okay with that if we are? A basketball school. I think Keith's. I think you're going to be a little bit biased, and I'm going to be a little bit biased on the other side. But no, I agree that um, that baseball does not. I mean, college yeah. baseball is not March Madness. You know, it's just it's not quite there yet. Uh, and it's and there's a lot. You know, there's a lot of teams and a lot of of stuff going on. But um, I don't know what a basketball school means. I mean, is it? I, I would I would assume that's you know something like. Somebody like Louisville, or traditionally Kentucky, with or, the or Duke, with, without this year, Duke, North Carolina, a school where they have football, yeah, and football is maybe profitable, but not necessarily successful. I don't definitely know. not in comparison to the basketball team, especially on a national level, or I even guess within it, the conference. I guess I just want to be a balanced school. Yeah. Where all where the where all of those major sports are competitive and have something positive going for them. North Carolina, as an example, their baseball team was in the College World Series last year, 
and they have that basketball team that that does what it does. So when when you say basketball school, I think of Duke. Well, Mike Shashevsky makes nine million dollars a year. So is that really a place you're ever going to consider being? Right. With in basketball, with three number one, three first round draft picks. Well, and, and as a state school, yeah. Also, I mean, I I just want to be. I just like to be competitive. Can we just have it all? Competitive the, and, and relevant. I think relevant yeah. is always the, the term that I kind of fall back on. But I, I would I would consider us a basketball school right now if I had to, just because of the like culture. Like your most visible sport. Yeah, I could, oh, yeah. I could see that. The culture yeah. that uh, Beard's building, uh, the following that he's he's got that we've been discussing, and then just the way he's put together some really different teams over his three-year tenure here that – have completely different rosters and mm-hmm. are capable of, of different things, but still win basketball games. To be honest, sorry, Spencer, I know you're about to talk that when you look across tech athletics with all, I mean, with the tennises and the golf and the, and the track and field ranked number one preseason, yeah. you know, on track again for a potential national title. I mean, baseball, you know, all these sports, there's just a couple that are down and, and need growth and, and football happens to be one of those. You're right. So, Maybe we do almost kind of have everything, you know. Let's get softball on the right track and women's basketball and football, and then all volleyball of a sudden, turned around pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what I was going to say is, I I think the the attention to basketball more has to do with like recency bias. Like we're currently in the basketball season, whereas I, I think we've we've seen Texas Tech have more success comparatively on a baseball side, and have the potential to be competing for conference and national titles now whereas right. basketball may be like they're not there yet well what hurts so, baseball too is school's not in session for yeah the season yeah yeah right at the tail end of the se- well, that, that kind of hurts it's a facility bit. size too i mean 4500 yeah. folks you know packed in there is and a lot of those are not students so i think that's part of it too but um yeah i don't i don't know I, I don't. I can't think of any major school that's a baseball school. You know, there are storied programs There's like Dallas Baptist or somebody. Yeah, if, if it's a small school that they really hang their hat on that, because and that's yeah. that's a neat thing about college baseball. Small schools can compete because there's parity there, mm-hmm. and it's they're not expensive programs to run, um, which has held the sport back sometimes. But you know, as far as big major schools, your football or basketball. I mean, those are the big TV. That's a lot of eyes. So. So really quick, this isn't a question we got, but like I've, I've always kind of wanted, wanted to see what like a bigger stadium would look like for, for baseball. Uh-huh. I just don't, I, with where it's at currently, I don't think you can get too many more seats Yeah, there. You have to like demolish and rebuild somewhere else yeah. or, or reconfigure what's around, like behind the stadium. You can like close that road off or build into the, the right field. Um, there's just not a lot of space where it currently is, but like some of the bigger stadiums around, like even the state, like at Baylor has a, a, a fairly nice facility there. A&M, unfortunately they throw money at everything. They have a nice baseball facility. Sure. Um, be really interested to see what that looks like. Just really try to fit it in that little corner of the lot they're in now. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Well, they, they've talked about moving drive of champions back and taking the curve out of it, the, like towards like mm. north, so towards where the Coliseum is. so that Which will work now that there won't be a building there. Right, so that gives the baseball 
facility more space. But I think some of that space and potentially the player parking lot will be eaten up by improving the clubhouse, which it desperately needs. Uh, Kirby has been pretty open that they're going to finish out the third base side so it'll mirror the first base side with club seats and there'll be some more seating there. But you're right, there's just no room in the outfield. I mean, the support structure for the Jumbotron goes into the street, I think, or at least into the sidewalk behind the outfield. So there's nowhere else. So unless you remove the track um, and and relocate the, the fuller track and then close that road like you say and then the road can come out there, and then you have some space behind. Yeah, you're kind of landlocked as far as size. But then how big do you really want it to be? You know, at, at some point. Well, and the other thing is, like, when you think about creating an atmosphere there, like adding seats in the outfield, not not going to help that. It's going to be more in close, right? Right. Yeah, adding more seats down the lines, maybe. Yeah, I, yeah, maybe. I mean, and there's been a lot of changes, small changes that only, like, kind of longtime fans would remember, you know, where – how closer, how much closer the field you are. I guess there's an idea of digging out the field and dropping it so you can bring more seats down. I don't know. I mean, what really, if you ask me what Dan Law Field really needs is an overhaul in the concourse. Um, walking up all those metal steps to get to get into the stands. That's kind of creepy. The concessions are terrible um, as far as the, the, not the offerings, but the just the setup is not good, the bathrooms. I mean, that's what the, the fan experience could, I, I mean, if you had a if you had a way to to raise the outside of the stadium up to like bleacher level, and when you walked in, you were looking out like at a pro park where you're looking out and you see the field. That's really the ideal ballpark where you can walk in the gate and look through between the stands and see the field out there. Mm-hmm. That would be awesome, you know. But I don't know how you accomplish that in the space. Yeah. Um, back to basketball really quickly. Kyle Jacobson. Over under Big Twelve wins for Texas Tech basketball at thirteen and a half. I say over. Ooh, you going fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen? <laughs> how how many games are there? Well, eighteen There's regular 18. season. Big Twelve. I I'm thinking fifteen. I'm assuming he's he's talking about regular season, not the the conference tournament. I'm thinking fifteen. I I could see us dropping Ooh. fifteen and three. Yeah. Nice. I could see us dropping one to Kansas. Uh, possibly, you know, OU played played us really well. Uh, possibly in Norman, we we might could see an L there. I'm be interested to see how this Iowa State game goes and in things Ames. are yeah. Think well, just even Wednesday. Just interested to see how that goes. I think Tech will win Wednesday, as I've said, but I have been wrong. But I, I think they have a lot of trouble. Up at the is it the Hilton or whatever they mm-hmm. call it up there? the Hilton Coliseum? Yeah, the Hilton Hilton Center, Hilton Radisson, <laughs> Double Tree. Get you some chocolate cookies. How long is this podcast currently? <laughs> Do you want to know? This is everything I stand against. It is. We're at two hours and five oh, minutes. Gosh. <laughs> this is the longest we well we have I, one I, more question right or is this it? I, I'm, I have no idea. I, I, <laughs> we've done. Longer continuous recordings, but we've also broken it up. Let's say, okay. start over. Okay. Okay. <laughs> We're just two hours in. We'll just start over. Um, I'm going to go over, and, but like, just, I'm going to say like 14. Okay. I'm thinking 15. I don't know anything about basketball. So I, I don't know. So you won 13. 16. You won 13 last season, and you were very close to competing for the regular season conference champs. I, I think with the down nature of the rest of the conference 13 may be good enough to win the conference 
Yeah, generally isn't 16 kind of the, the average for conference champions? Looking back over the last several years, my brother went into Probably. some in-depth analysis of this, and I think that's what it was. And he made the same argument as you, that 13 could do it this year, but 16 is generally the number, I that's feel like. That's pretty good. 16 and 2. Yeah, and but I mean, remember that number is general. I mean, for a long time has been Kansas. So yeah, of course. The, so I don't know what the parity is there. Sorry, yeah, I, I did say that was from Kyle, right? You did. That yeah. question? Okay. I just, I know that Mooney is emerging, and I like that because he reminds me of Jimmy Chitwood from Hoosiers. Um, we need to run the swinging gate more. I'm just saying. <laughs> Chris Beard, if you're listening. Um, but <laughs> two hours and <laughs> <I, I, laughs> yeah. It's too He's, bad he just turned it off. Yeah, yeah. He I, just turned it off. What I really wonder is, and like, I don't have all, I don't know all the things you guys know about basketball, but who else is going to emerge? You need some other playmakers. And it, you've seen it. It's been a little bit better, but it's been so one-sided. And we were talking about the Duke game and their loss. I mean, you know, you had, you had two guys, you had a triple-double and two double-doubles in that game, I think. You know, you need some guys that can step up. I'm not saying they all need to be Zion Williamson. I'm just saying you need some more yeah. some more playmakers. So I'm assuming that this question is to you. It's from Brian. What's the best state park in oh, Texas? Oh, I remember that question. I forgot that. Man, how long do you, you guys want to go? You replied to it. Yeah, I, I replied that that is, that is a masterful question. You, sir, are a master. Yeah, so I'm a big state park fan. I like to camp, state and national parks. I, I thought about I did think about this one after he asked. So, and I have not been to every state park or even close, but I will say Palmetto State Park was a huge surprise when I went there. It's basically tropical, um, just a little hmm. tropical park randomly in South Texas. It's just this weird spot on the river. It's very humid. There's tropical plants, um, some awesome old Civilian Conservation Corps buildings. It's just a surprise. It's not what you expect from a Texas state park. I've also heard and read that Big Bend Ranch State Park, which is next door to the national park, is an absolutely fantastic stop, that it's a more rugged and wild version of Big Bend National Park, uh, which is supposed to be really cool. So um, those are a couple. I'm a big Caprock Canyon fan. I like it there a lot. Um I'm going to a couple state parks over spring break, so I think they're all great. Go support your parks. I'd like to throw my hat in the ring for Garner State Park. Garner's a good one. I, I really – we only went once, but uh, we really enjoyed it. They seem to have a, a cool setup for group events. and They have dances on the weekends yeah, in the they summer. Yeah, they, they had kind of some old, old-fashioned old type mm-hmm. dances, and they I, I think they would do stuff like that for the 4th and – Yep. have big shindigs for Memorial Day and uh, great, beautiful, clear water mm-hmm. that you can get out in. Some neat cabins you can rent if you wanted to do that. We camped at uh, kind of on the ridge towards the top of it when we went. Uh, I like that. And I'm going to throw my hat in the ring also for Abilene State Park, which is close to where I grew up. Great swimming pool. Old swimming pool. Been there a long time. Used to have a really cool high dive. No longer does. Mm-hmm. But now they have uh, they have yurts that you can camp in. Oh, cool! That were really cheap, and were just really neat little campsites to have. And you're, it's just right outside of Buffalo Gap. Which if you're there, you need to go to Perini's and eat. Mm-hmm. So even if you don't really like camping, you should just go to Abilene State Park just so you can go to Perini's. <laughs> I would say a couple more that aren't state parks, but uh, Lost Maple State Natural Area is near Garner. Um, unbelievably beautiful. 
probably the best place in the state of Texas to see like foliage change in autumn mm. time. It's a beautiful park or place. And then Enchanted Rock, also not a state park, but state natural area outside Fredericksburg, huge granite monolith. I think the biggest in the country maybe that you can climb up and there's oh, caves and awesome place. So lots of really cool places around the state of Texas. I couldn't tell you what the state parks I've been to. I, I do have interest in going to Big Bend. And there are some on that list that you mentioned in South and Central Texas that we may be checking off later in the spring when I get Samantha on a vacation. If she stops fighting me on how much money we can spend. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It was like, like it was five or six hundred dollars on hotels. And it's like, that's ridiculous. Way too much money. I was like, Samantha. Just just get just, on it's vacation. Just get on the Texas Tech athletic department and just just go into debt. No big deal. <laughs> no. Pay run for a, it later. Run, run a family deficit. It's not a problem. <laughs> Red Raider reset. Get some boosters. Man. If anyone starts throwing the money at Beard, do you think he stays at tech? We we had he's we already had a, he's already turned down Texas correct. I'm Once, not sure. No, that was Tadlock. That which was is Tadlock. which is the, a follow up to this. He said same thing for for Tadlock. We'll, we, get to, we'll do Beard first. We had a couple of I think we briefly touched on this during the podcast earlier, but we had a lot of this back and forth on Slack chat, where I don't think I think there's a lot more than money when it comes to beard and what he values. Yeah. It was a big conversation we were having today when, when Dan was posting just about every fire Shaka tweet. <laughs> right. And, and it started a discussion. Well, like they can try to throw money at him, but it's not a cultural fit. Like he, he might, he may do well there. Like if he were to ever leave tech and, and, and go over to Texas, I don't think it would be long term. I don't think he would fit there. And I don't think they would let him stay with the, just how he is. Well, and um, they, they, you know, we're getting, or Tech is getting to the point where we're setting some high expectations for our basketball program as well. But we're also paying for it. We're like Beard yeah. is one of the highest paid coaches in, in the con. I think he's second behind uh, Self. But I think Tech is realistic, whereas UT isn't. No, you know, they, they, well, when 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 they went off and said we should fire Shaka Smart because when you they lost, lost to the best team in the Big Twelve by two on the road, second best team in the big 12 uh that's just that's not worth the waste of bites of data that it took to send out fire (laughs) shaka uh so that's just kind of what you're dealing with and what you're up against whereas if if he wins here and he stays here he would just be enshrined practically and i don't know if that's what he wants or what he even cares about but i think he cares about the kids and he just kind of has a lot more of a, like, you know, we just keep using the word fit. And I, I think that's the best way to describe as it. As much as he says we're building something special at Texas Tech, to me that feels a lot more connected. Yeah. You know, it's not about resources and all that. Although Kirby Hokut's given him a blank check. He has a great contract. He makes more than the football coach, slightly. Yeah. Uh, which he should right now. Uh, he... He had like a ton of input. I, I I believe that the new basketball practice facility, the the Womble, I, I want to say that the budget has increased seven to eight million dollars, based on improvements and size and things like that since Chris Beard has been allowed to to get into it. I'm not saying that's all him, but obviously they're giving him a chance to do that. Well, and I'm so, willing to bet that he'll have an extension after this year, or, or some reasonable. sort of they'll, they'll have to they'll beef up his contract a little bit after this year, but maybe. 
I'm not sure how they'll do it because I know they just did it last year, but I think I think they'll know that he's a a wanted commodity and they'll want him to feel that he's represented that way. That Tech really does want him and is willing to pay for quality coaching. So there there may be a bit of a a jump. And I think you made this point this morning with our Slack chat that you can tell that or you would think you can tell that he wants to be at Texas Tech with how he handled leaving. UNLV, like he was there a week, right? Yeah, right. Um, because that was he, a step up job. He wanted to be here, and like, and there was no, there was no hesitation. Obviously, he was there a week. There wasn't like a, you know, I'm, I'm committed here. I'm, 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 I'm going to work on this. It was no, I want to be there. Yes, it's a step up. It, it was a step up in pay. No, and, I mean and, UNLV was a step up job to leave yes. where he was to go there. Yeah. Texas Tech was the destination job, in in my mind. Uh, and I just think his kids are just a big anchor too. In a positive way, not dragging him down. Oh, no. Yeah. And so when I heard him speak at that lunch, being able – talking about seeing his daughter play basketball at Friendship. You know, Abilene – I think it's Abilene Wiley. She plays for Kane, played at Friendship. He got to watch a half of basketball in person for his daughter and then head over to the USA and coach a game. And then she was there in the tunnel afterwards waiting for him. Um, now, the story was hilarious because that's who Chris Beard is, but that says a lot about a guy. You know, he wants, his, he wants him around. He was away from him for a long time. You don't get that even just going to Austin. You know, yeah. you certainly don't get that in the other places floated like UCLA and things like that. So, so what about Tech? I'm oh, sorry, Tadlock. Does, okay. does he stay? Yeah. When people are starting to, I think so. Try to money whip him. I want to say Tadlock is one of only three to five coaches in college baseball that makes a million dollars or more. So he is very elite in in the coach in the coach pay uh, scale. Um. He wasn't really – he turned down Texas before he got that money. You know, that was early in his tenure. And uh, if anyone remembers, I, I cut – as I was working on Dinger Derby, I had all kinds of ideas for an intro. And uh, one of them was clips and big – and clips of Tadlock and clips of the calls that sent Tech to the World Series and all those things. I don't know if anyone remembers Tim Tadlock's introductory, introductory press conference. He, he called it. I mean, he said, we're going to go. It's going to happen. There's no reason it can't happen at Texas Tech in Lubbock, Texas. He's an alum, um, but he's a different kind of alum. He's an alum that is really tied and emotionally connected to Tech. Um, he always had stayed that way, you know, connected to the program. And when Texas Tech did make it to Omaha, one of the reporters asked, you know, in 14, one of the reporters asked in the press conference, do you remember what you said? And Tim Tadlock, you know, as hard and salty and crusty as West Texans get – you know, teared up and his voice broke. He's like, yeah, of course I remember, you know, of course. And, and he's been emotional about that. And when, when J Bob Thomas, or I'm sorry, when, um, when Tim Tallock was named coach of the year last year in the story that D one baseball wrote, which is fantastic. If anybody can go, wants to go read it, uh, they talked to J Bob, the assistant coach a lot. And he and J Bob know each other a very long time. And he talked about, um, them playing in that super regional, uh, that, that first super regional in 14 and he was had tears in his eyes when he was when he was hitting out grounders and J Bob walked up and said hey what you know are you okay he's like yeah I'm okay we're about to go to Omaha and J Bob <laughs> said we hadn't even played the game yet and he already knew <laughs> he just and he, knew and he felt it you know and it, and it wasn't tears for Omaha it was tears because it's his alma mater and it's what he came here for so no I don't think he's going anywhere and and I think you you treat him right you pay him you I mean you don't you don't bank on all of that that I just said you still respect him um, but but I think this is where he wants to be. And I could be assigning every emotion in my overly emotional 
body to all of that, but that's my perception of it. Was it was that the game against uh, Carl, College of Charleston in fourteen? Yeah, where where they they won the super regional back to back like one zero games. Yeah, yeah, very close. Those were anxious, <laughs> nervous games on my part. As I, for first time watching like postseason baseball for Texas Tech, I was like. Oh look, we're we're in the super regional. What does that mean? Yeah, and we won like one zero games back to back. I was like, oh dang, uh, wasn't that one of the games where um, Devin Conley made that ridiculous catch in right field? Yes, Against- that that was one of my moments when I was doing clips. Was the crazy Devin Conley catch? Yeah, fourteen was a season that it's just one of those things. It was full of moments. You know, Zach Davis stealing home to beat Texas. You know, things like that. And I thought the balk off this past season. The balk off, the walk-off was, ball, the balk was, off was something to see, yeah, and, and it was, was fun as I as I went through some of those clips. I'd forgotten about Tyler Nesloni in the College World Series gunning down Jonathan India. Oh, at second, at to, second to base Florida. for Florida. Yeah, that was something else too. Because oh my, like, he 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 drilled that into left field. Oh man, Nesloni played like, like one hop and then oh, just he gunned it. That was awesome. And then I I think when that happened, I, I was watching it. I think I took a screenshot of how close India was to beating that out. Yes. Like the tag was on, like Davis couldn't have been in a better spot to tag him. Like he reached down and had the glove in basically India's face. And India was maybe a couple of inches away from being safe at the, at the yeah. bag. And then uh Shambi just had a great call too. Yes, it was. Big fan of that. Yeah. It was long. <laughs> I couldn't use it in my intro cause it was so long. There was so much description that went on. But anyway, sorry I keep rambling about baseball, but to answer the question, I agree. I think Beard wants to be here. Uh, I don't know if he's here the rest of his career and it's, you know, John Wooden or something, but I think for the foreseeable future, Chris Beard wants to be at Tech and really prove some big things. And I think Tim Tadlock, this is where he wants to be. Do you think that changes if they if they win something? I don't. I don't they think they can for, start looking around like I, I I've done it here. I, I let me go try somewhere else. I don't think that for Tadlock. You know his career path was JUCOs, success at JUCOs. He won two national. I think it was two national championships uh, at where was he Cisco and Grayson. Yeah, Grayson. Thank you. Yeah, um, and then and then he went to Oklahoma as an assistant. You know, and then here you are at Tech. Like what else? He he hasn't gone to opportunistic jobs. You know, he's done things. He's won where he is. He went to he moved up to D one, and then when he had the opportunity, he came home, and and now he's there. I mean, maybe there is. I mean, maybe you know, fancy facility or at Arkansas. Or, I mean, I don't know. You know, long traditions, but I just don't. I don't get that impression from him. You know, one of my fa- that 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 Kirby Hokut show we talked about earlier. Um, they Giovanetti asked Tadlock, and he was just trying to make conversation, but Tadlock wasn't going to let him get away with it. He said. Kirby Hookett's out there interviewing these guys. What do you tell them when they ask, how do you recruit to Lubbock, Texas? And Tadlock said, I'd hang up on them because if they have to ask, they're not worth their salt. <laughs> you know, he's just a no-nonsense guy. He's not, he's not going to hully-gully around and mess with that stuff. You mm-hmm. know, I, I just don't see, I don't see somebody sashaying in and throwing money at him and him. He seems like the kind of guy to me that'd be like, what's the difference between a million and a million five? Like, it's, it's still a ton of money, you know, <laughs> right. either way. <laughs> right. So he's probably know. still living well below that. Yeah, you know, just, right. I, I don't know him personally, but just his walls are full of cash. Yeah, he, <laughs> he's buried in coffee cans yeah. in the backyard. <laughs> I, I would imagine he's living well below his means, just because that just seems like the kind of guy. he you is. You know the kind of guy he is. And I, again, you know, we're not BFFs. I've never been to Tim Tadlock's house, but 
in the season, he has his team over and barbecues for him in his backyard. That's and great. they take a picture around the pool, you know, and you get to see whatever weird hairdo and facial hair Freeman is going on, you know, <laughs> but that's a head coach. Or which guy's being a, a dumb A and like flipping off the camera. Yeah, I doubt that. <laughs> well, no, it was, well, I think it was past summer. One well, of the, the guys photos, was, wasn't it? yeah, it was, oh yeah. Well, team photo from Tadlock's backyard. Oh, okay. Oh, that's right. They yeah, had yeah. like the, yeah. just in this background, he was just like, yeah, but that's just. Tadlock. And you mentioned that. I totally forgot about that. Apparently, Caleb Freeman had an, a fantastic summer in the Cape Cod League. And uh, the D1 baseball guys were super high on what he might be bringing in. So that'd be cool to see. Because Party at Freeman's is one of my favorite things from last season. <laughs> <laughs> that hair, the mustache. Oh, my gosh. It's fantastic. All right. Um, not that telling saying this now is any any consolation two and a half hours in but you should probably listen to this in pieces seems like a pretty good stopping point <laughs> yeah it's it's as <laughs> natural as any it's pretty good i mean if we had our own four hour radio show we we would have filled it with the two and a half hours of content we had here plus oh, commercial breaks getting paid more than for that. it yeah um keith thanks for joining us this week you want to plug the podcast one more time? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I will. Dinger Derby, brand new podcast about Texas Tech baseball. Follow me on Twitter at Keith B. Patrick. Follow the podcast at Dinger underscore Derby. Email at Dinger underscore Derby at Outlook.com. First episode drops January 31st. All right. For those that want to keep up with Texas Tech baseball, because we will not be going as in-depth as he will for sure, um, check him out. Michael, you got any parting shots when I get uh, what we learned in like 10, 15 seconds. Oh, you, you want to get short on time now? Yeah. <laughs> do, do, do you want to interrupt me as I try to like sign off as a, no. as a homage to some, some, some local friends? Peace. No, I would like to uh, <laughs> just quickly say, Bluebell Tin Roof Ice Cream, delicious. Chocolate covered, dark chocolate covered peanuts, vanilla, fudge ribbon. That's what I learned. Okay. Like a bunch of broken up words. He wanted 10, 15 seconds. <laughs> no That's the only way I can do it that. is to not do a complete sentence. Is to just break up words and say them. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna go ahead and say that like the combination of the three of us need some some serious like planning time stamps in our notes document if we're gonna get together again so we can True. Knock this out an hour. Yeah. Instead of two and a half. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what we can do. Time out the segments. Well, so, so here's the thing. You'll probably get what, like a solid 45 minutes a week from, from, from just Keith on baseball. That's my plan. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, if, if we cut that out, we're, we're back down to our, our normal post football <laughs> season, hour and a half episode where I'm like, we're going too long. Yeah. Anyways, did not turn the volume back on the computer. There we go. Thanks for joining us this week on the 23 Personnel Podcast. We'll catch you next week.